Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is the perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through.
want to thank you once again for coming to Bard's Logic Political Talk, part of the conservative conversation and part of the vaccine resistance, the vaccine mandate resistance here on Bard's Logic. And, of course, as you recall, the Thursday speech where Biden said this is not about freedom or personal choice when he's talking about making the Department of Labor mandate that any company with 100 employees or more to find a company that does not force their employees to get vaccinated or tested. Now, what Biden did in his speech as he created, he made himself a dictator and turned the United States, these United States, into a fascist regime. Just look up the definition of fascism and where the government controls business and there's no opposition. That's fascism. Now, tonight we're going to talk about how the government divides us through imposing their will. And we'll have our uh, guest again on here, Mark Hankel. Uh, you've had him, uh, on the, we've had him here on the show before uh, talking about uh, his polygamy advocacy. However, tonight we're going to be talking about something different. Um, now, as a reminder, our uh, guest has been on numerous uh, media interviews. Uh, in places such as ABC's 2020, Newsweek, Fox Stossels. Unfortunately, he's been on MSNBC, but I guess you got to run the uh, RT America, AJ America, the 700 Club, the Associated Press, the Washington Times, LA Times, uh, USA Today, and, of course, other radio programs, including Bard's Logic. Now, the government uses many ways to divide we the people. Uh, Those who are supposed to represent us have actually been imposing their will on us for decades. Uh, And they use these impositions to put us against each other, hiding how what they're doing is only increasing their power and advancing their agenda. So while we are waiting for our guests to come on uh, for tonight's episode, uh, we are going to open up the callers. We've got Joseph Vaughn as well as Steve. Hopefully we'll be hearing uh, from Kelly uh, soon as well uh, before our guest gets in. But let's go ahead and open up the mic here for Joseph. Joseph, uh, thank you for coming to the show. How are you? And I, I'd say that Biden has just turned himself to a furor by his comments on Thursday. Yes, I would 100% agree, except if you're at least uh, at least uh, achieved uh, almost world dominance. Not to give credit to the Fuhrer at all, but uh, Joe Biden hasn't achieved uh, anything in his whole tenure of being in, in the Senate uh, for over 47 years of being in politics. So um, the recall decision. Not happy at all with the recall decision. Very disappointing. 
uh, they broke down the statistics, and the majority of Californians who signed the petition to begin with happened to be independents and Democrats. Republicans outnumber two to one. And I think a lot of them in the last um, stages uh, choked at the finish before hitting the finish line and decided to not go through with the uh, with uh, voting to recall Newsom. At the same time, you know, the Republican Party of California is completely inept, incompetent. They uh, have allowed California to be uh, go blue for such a long time. California is one of eight states that have a Democratic trifecta, meaning they have majorities in the state house and the state senate. Um, their senators. Uh, the mayorships, the governorship. And so at the end of the day, um, disaffected Democrats left blue states like California. Uh, For the first time in over 170 years, they've dropped in population. Uh, They lost two congressional districts because of that. And so at the end of the day, I'm not trying to be cruel here, but I have no sympathy for those Californians who voted to keep Newsom in power. So let's say if they were a few entrepreneurs and three months later his draconian measure shut them down, you don't have my sympathy because you get the government you deserve. You you had a second chance to vote him out. Governor Newsom, in comparison to all blue state governors, by far imposed the most stringent draconian lockdown measures, and he still survived recall. After that, he's going to be so emboldened, he's going to think he's on cloud 20. Now he's going to think he's invincible. Now that's just going to incentivize him to implement more unconstitutional draconian measures, and who's going to stop them? The Dems have control of the House, the Senate, and the White House. And so at the end of the day, look, if California wanted to secede tomorrow, go ahead, secede. Be my guest, because that will not be the outcome in 2022 and 2024. And yes, it's a failure ship on behalf of uh, the Democrats and the independents who did sign the petition to not completely follow through. And it was it, it's a failure ship of the Republican Party in whole who's been failing California for over 40 years. Their last success was Ronald Reagan. That was the last time they could tout any significant success is actually when Ronald Reagan was elected governor and was elected president. So what's the point of having these Republican parties in these blue states who absolutely do nothing to stop the Democrats? They don't hold the lines. That's why the RNC has a certain amount of states that are on the list where they have blocked funding. And those are states in where the RNC have deemed it doesn't make any sense financially from the RNC's perspective to continue funding states that fail election cycle after election cycle to get candidates across the, ri- the red line. Those states are New York, California, Seattle, I mean, I'm sorry, Washington, including Seattle, um, New Jersey, Hawaii, one of many states that are on that list 
where the RNC has cut off funding years ago, long time ago. And I don't blame them. Why, why should we keep on funding Republican parties in these states that can't even get a mayor elected in the red column, that can't even get a governor elected in the red column, that can't even get a senator elected in the red column, that can't even get a creep, uh, 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 a person like Newsom who is tyrannical, and yet he still survives recall. Well, we got, uh, we, got a on, we got a guest on here just chimed uh, in, so we'll, we'll, we, we may get back to, to that. But, yeah, I mean, I, I know Kelly had high hopes since he lives in, in uh, California uh, that he'd be recalled. But, I mean, I pretty I pretty much knew he wasn't going to. But uh, we could certainly, uh, you know, we'll probably have plenty of time at other, other programs to, to go over that and the failings of the party there. Let's go ahead, and, and then we'll bring you in um, as well, Steve. Uh, but first, let's welcome uh, Mark. Thank you very much, Mark, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? I'm very well. Thank you for having me. And I don't know if you have your speaker on. I heard myself twice, so I don't know if I'm coming in through your speaker or what. <laughs> yeah, it does seem like it is creating that kind of a situation. I'm not sure why that's happening that way. You should be coming through my main speakers and not through this setup. I'm not sure why that's happening. I'm, uh, yeah, it's definitely, it's odd. Are you still getting the double well, sound? I, I'm not right now. And okay. I didn't hear myself again. So I think we, I think we might be good. Uh, so no, okay, very, welcome, very good. Uh, you know, back, back on the program tonight. Um, yeah, we, we were, before you came in, you know, touching briefly on, of course, the election over in, uh, California. I mean, it pretty much came came through the way I, you know, pretty much knew it would. I mean, I can't imagine them re- actually recalling him. But anyway, that, that that's uh, a conversation uh, for another day. But but tonight we're talking about you know how our government divides us through imposing their will on uh, the people. So we're definitely going to do that to you know have that conversation tonight and you know give us a framework in which we're going to have this discussion this evening. I'm really happy to be here, and I thank you for welcoming me back and providing an opportunity for this discussion. We're going to talk about imposerism, which is the willingness to impose on others, and it really is something that I have stumbled across and come to understand that has been a tool for dividing us and making us always fighting with each other from left to right, from religious to non-religious in all forms of ways. And so I have a way of discussing this evening, and it basically will be breaking into three parts. The first part will be the pain, the second part will be the problem, and the third part will be the solution. So we'll we'll discuss the pain, the problem, and the solution. And that's sort of the framework that I would uh, like to discuss this with. And I would start off with about a 10-minute mini portion of a speech, if you will, uh, for about 10 minutes to – lay down the foundation of the discussion each hour, and then we would discuss that portion for the remainder of the hour, if that would work for you and your guests. Yeah, it works for me. Okay. Well, then with that, given that we've lost some time already, I will uh, begin right away. Uh, I'm going to ask you to do things 
like raising your hand and stuff of that nature. And if you have a piece of paper, you may want to write things down at time. And even though none of us can see you doing these things, I would encourage you to still participate uh, like you're actually in a live conversation, person to person, face to face with me as, as we have these conversations. Yeah, sounds good. Let's let's uh, be interesting uh, exercise. Okay, great. If there are things you do that you love to do, raise your hand. If there are things you have that you love to have, raise your hand. If someone wanted to make it against the law for you to do the things you love to do or to have the things you love to have, if you would oppose that law, raise your hand. To all who just raised your hand, Congratulations! You're a normal human being! (laughs) You just proved it. Every time, every audience to whom I ask those questions, everyone always raises their hand. By you raising your hand, you just proved to yourself three things. You just proved that, one, you're normal, two, everyone else is normal, and three, You just proved the fundamental truth of all normal, natural human response. You just proved that imposition creates opposition. Again, you proved the fundamental truth of all normal, natural human response. Imposition creates opposition. What is an imposition? An imposition is something that is thrust upon someone that is not welcomed by them often by force or against their will. But let's also be clear about what an imposition is not. Parents parenting, teachers teaching, coaches coaching. When it comes to raising children to become normal, healthy adults, none of this applies. So yes, you can tell your children they still have to do their homework. (laughs) But for the rest of us, an imposition is something that is thrust upon someone that is not welcomed by them often by force or against their will. But notice something there. The opposition does not exist until the imposition creates it. Imposition creates opposition. Now let's stop and think about that. When an imposition creates your opposition, in that moment, how do you feel? If you're like most people, Most likely, you feel unsafe, excluded, defensive. Most likely, you feel that someone poses an existential threat against you, and you would not be willing to work together with them. Most likely, you feel oppressed. That's right, oppressed. Opposers feel oppressed. It can make them so angry. Indeed, it can be so angering that I'm sure some here listening would say that I should probably end this speech with a four-letter word. And that's all because imposition creates opposition. Now, let's go back to thinking about the things that we love to do. That feels a whole lot better to think about, doesn't it? Ah, the things we love to do. While you're thinking about those things that you love to do, I'm going to share a story about swimming. Swimming will be the proxy, the substitute for those things that you love to do. 
Picture this. Media reports. Local child drowns in ocean. Next day, media reports. Local politician calls for swim control. It's time to ban all swimming. If we can save just one child's life, it's worth it. Next day, media reports. Local swimmers oppose the swimming ban. But what do the politician and supporters do? They demoralize, dehumanize, and demonize the swimmers. You don't have a right to swim. You could live your entire life completely without ever having to swim. You hate children. Over the coming weeks, the media report daily of some new and different child every day drowning in distant locations. Corporations announce that they'll stop selling swimming products. Now, you're innocent. You never wanted this explosion of emotion. You never wanted any of this. You just love swimming. You just love to do the things you love to do. That's all. So you've got to ask, where is their empathy for you? Why must they ignite the fight with you? How does this even happen? It all starts with something I call imposerism. Imposerism comes from the root word impose, the verb that means to thrust something upon someone that is not welcomed by them, often by force or against their will. Add an R to impose and you get imposer, the noun, one who imposes. Put ISM, ism, at the end of it and you get imposerism. Imposerism is the willingness to impose on others, the willingness to be an imposer. We all have our own preferred forms of imposerism, of the things that we're willing to impose on others. Some are willing to impose this, others are willing to impose that. We will aggregate and gather together into what becomes nothing more than the echo chambers of our confirmation bias of the things that we're willing to impose on others. This becomes our tribalism, and we divide ourselves by our tribalism. One tribalism is willing to impose this, another tribalism is willing to impose that. Our imposerism is our vulnerability, our weakness, our exploitability. Politicians know that they can tap into our imposerism to rally us to support things that impose on others. And that is what has given us this current era of imposer versus imposer politics. Imposer versus imposer politics means that an imposer always gets elected always gets elected no matter which side wins because if the other side got elected it still means that an imposer got elected now i understand some might be saying not my side not my party i'm righteous i'm on the righteous side i understand that i do the truth is It doesn't matter what side of politics, what side of religion you prefer. We all think that. You, me, every single one of us, we all think that we are righteous, that we are on the righteous side. But while we're so busy foolishly fighting each other with our tribalism one against the other, the leaders of the two sides are actually working together as the two sides 
of the same one coin of imposerism. They're just trading off power back and forth. One side gets in power, brings in imposition, that creates more opposition. Then the other side gets in power, brings in more imposition, that creates more opposition. More and more imposition creates more and more opposition, making us all angrier and angrier and angrier. And round and round and round it goes. Consider the emotional journey you went on earlier. You went from first feeling sad at the tragedy when the child drowned to then being defensive, maybe even angry, when they imposed the ban. And then they took it to the next step. They used the three Ds. They demoralize, dehumanize, and demonize. They say, you're immoral. You're inhuman. You're evil. Huh? For crying out loud, a person forced against their will is of the same opinion still. But they think they're going to persuade you by using the three Ds against you? Uh-uh. That doesn't work. That only makes you angrier. That never works. That creates the explosion of emotion. Or as I like to pronounce it in a funny way, the explosion of emotion. It makes it easier to remember it that way. The explosion of emotion happens because the three Ds hurts people. And the result of that is hurt people hurt people. Yeah. When people are hurting, they hurt other people. And that brings it forward to vengeful imposerism, in which some are willing to impose on others for no other reason but to take revenge. And you know we absolutely see that in today's era of imposer versus imposer politics. This is the tragic emotional journey we keep bringing each other on. We go from feeling sad to defensive, maybe even angry, to the explosion of emotion of hurt and vengeance. This is why our society is getting angrier and angrier. To the point, again, I'm sure some would say that I should probably end this speech with a four-letter word. It all comes down to one singular pain point, to one pain. That one pain is this. Imposition creates opposition. Now that we can recognize the pain, how do we identify the problem? That's what we'll discuss in the next hour. But for now, let's discuss the pain. So I open the floor back up for anybody who has comments or thoughts you'd like to say about this on the issue of the pain. Well, first I'll uh, chime in and I'll bring in uh, Joseph and then Steve. And, then Steve. And, I'm, and I'm hearing and I'm, myself again. <laughs> so, well, yeah. Now, one thing I, I have to admit, uh, Mark, uh, law or no, I have to admit, some of my, and, and this does have relevance, some of my favorite movies, I'll be honest with you, are revenge movies, like The Count of Monte Cristo and, and things of that. Actually, <laughs> it's those type of uh, uh, those movies. I, I love revenge movies because, for me, sometimes revenge can be justice. But anyway, but I get what the, about the vengeful because, certainly, you feel like you got to lash back out because, you, you know, and, and I think that's what – I think a lot of people think that. I think a lot of people equate revenge with justice, and I mean, so you want to get, you want to get back at them because you're thinking you're, you're evening the playing you're you're evening out the playing field uh, because okay, well they impose this on us, well now let's see what we can impose on them. Um, 
So I'm, I'm not going to take a lot of the time on it because I, I don't want to get uh, Joseph and uh, Steve's uh, comments on it. But, but I mean, that, that's my take on that. And now what you mean the tribalism is what I think is, yes, I do. I think that this is being done to us by our so-called representatives because, again, as I said in the beginning of the show, I believe that's how they're able to uh, increase their power and advance their agenda. Now, what we got to do is figure out, you know, how it benefits them to divide us. But let's go ahead and bring it up to you, Joseph, and then Steve. Go ahead, Joseph. I'm sorry, but um, it's probably my fault if I didn't read the description of the show or go on the uh, link. Uh, I'm not sure exactly um, what Mark is trying to advocate for or not advocate for. It wasn't explained in the beginning, or maybe it was on the link or description. So um, the way he segued, unless you're bringing up the topic or what you're supporting or not supporting, um, I'm kind of lost. I don't kind of like starting a story in the middle. So I don't, um, I mean, I get the points he's bringing, but what is the, what is the premise of the conversation? What is he advocating for or not? Or is this his particular topic that he's relating to? Or I have no clue. Sorry. Well, that's, well you, you, you said, Mark, if there's any questions, uh, that sounds like a question to me. So if you want to go address that, I'll go address that. Certainly. The pain is that imposition creates opposition, and that this is what's happening from all sides, from party of the left, party of the right. They bring in imposition, and that naturally causes opposition, and the imposition creating the opposition, and so that we are dividing ourselves based on our imposerism. Imposerism is what we each have within each of us. That is our willingness to impose on others. And because we're willing to impose on others, politicians can tap into that and exploit us. And that's why they will then use our support to then impose on others. That imposition creates opposition for others, and that's how we keep fighting each other back and forth. And eventually, and when, the, when the opposition doesn't like it, they respond with the three Ds. They demoralize, dehumanize, and demonize. And that just makes us fight even more angry. And so that we're, our society is getting angrier and angrier and angrier because we are being exploited by the two sides working together as the two sides of imposerism. They're just trading power back and forth, and it is our imposerism that gives them that access, that ability to exploit us, to rally us, to support them, to support imposing on others, and then that creates the opposition, and the opposition, we oppose that, we oppose that, and we end up responding with the three Ds, and that creates the explosion of emotion of hurt and vengeance. So we keep going on this journey of emotion, going from sad to defensive to anger to the explosion of emotion of hurt and vengeance, all because we're willing to impose on others, and the politicians exploit that and cause us to continue this negative emotional journey. Does that help you? A little bit. Um, I, I think you're kind of putting everyone in a one-size-fit-all. You can't make the assumption that everyone is willing to impose on others. And at the same time, most of what you're saying, you're not saying anything that's not new. Hey, let's be honest. Politics has been a cesspool since the beginning of ancient civilizations. So you're not telling me something that isn't new. And I mean that with all due respect, sir. 
these just sound like old talking points that I've heard for many years. If this was so true, that it was such common, never-owned information, then this would be working, and we would no longer have imposition creating opposition. That's the reality before us. Because the reality before us is we are getting angrier and angrier with each other. And the reason we're getting angrier is because we're willing to impose on others. We're willing to have an animosity toward other people and willing to impose on them. Rather than actually having a recognition that we should not be imposing on people. And so it doesn't matter if the imposition comes from the left or the imposition comes from the right. In fact, actually, that would be something that I would uh, have us discuss in this next hour would be to discuss the concepts of various impositions that we see that are coming from the left and coming from the right. But I also have been made aware that we have more than one other guest as well, and I certainly want to give that person an opportunity to share or think or thoughts that they have to share. And yeah, we're going to bring Stephen in a moment, but my, my, my thought on that, and I'm just going to add to this, is that here's where the, the concept itself, I would say, in, in agreement with you, Joseph, but one thing that I've noticed by following politics for 40 years now um, is that these past five years at least, six, I have never seen the the level of anger and, and literally hatred among the two sides. I mean, I've been saying this for a, you know, so, so a couple of years now, is that, yes, we've disagreed with each other, the left and the right. Let's just use those two terms. Uh, we've disagreed each other on the left and the right, but it's not that we don't – we don't just disagree with each other. The other – I mean, each each side – in a lot of ways, hate, including myself. I'm used to dislike the, the people on the left, but it's getting to the point where there is a hatred of the people of the left growing up inside me, and it's just not me. I think it's a, it's a growing phenomenon in the United States. So that, that's where I think that whereas it's, it's not a new concept per se, it is something that I think is a, a new development in our body politic in the past, you know, five, six years where we don't – we no longer just disagree with each other, you know, and, and it's not just we disagree with, you know, each other's ideologies and not like each other's ideologies. We're not liking the individuals that hold them uh, and not just not liking them. It, it is getting into a fervent hatred. But, yeah, let's go ahead and bring uh, Stephen on this. And then we'll bring things back around on this part, you know, of the conversation. Uh, but thank you, Steve, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Better than my political party deserves. How's it going, fellas? <laughs> but uh, um, today in Boise, Idaho, Dr. Ryan Cole, a board-certified pathologist and owner and operator of a diagnostics lab, has seen a 20 times increase, 2,000% increase in cancer. In I, I've seen that on Twitter pain. tonight, yeah. So the pain, that, and then also, guys, you guys can go to the YouTube channel called the Master's Voice Prophecy Blog. It's a prophecy that this all ends in civil war. Uh, one of her prophecies is bombings begin first before the military appears all over the streets. 
one big story this weekend, this last weekend, across the border. Uh, a lot of explosives have been smuggled into the country across the border. That was uh, in the news uh, last weekend. And so, you know, a prophecy goes that the bombing start, then the military is seen everywhere on the streets of America, then the military starts to abuse Americans, then the, the, your, your most smartest people in this country starts to get their passports and leave America forever. Then they start coming into your home, confiscating your guns, then, they, then the Civil War kicks off. And because of the open borders and the uh, unlimited manpower and promises made to other nations, you know, our prophecy goes that the Democrats won the Civil War, but they lost all of their freedoms. I mean, every single freedom. They lost all of their freedoms. They were just treated like pets in the future. And that's why uh, I let people know. And then once the dollar crashes, that's another part of the prophecy. When the dollar crashes, that's when the famine begins. That's when America turns into a third world nation that depends on foreign aid. That's also in the prophecy. And it's not just her, fellas. Her name is Celeste. She's an attorney in New York City. It's other. There's other people having the same prophecy. Specifically, William Branham, a 1933 prophecy that a woman's going to be president in this country after self-driving cars, which have been around for a couple of years. Um, William Branham talked about a car in the shape of an egg. And he was seeing this in 1933, and it drives itself. That was a car that was invented three years ago. He said after that, there was going to be a woman that's going to come into office. A lot of people think she's going to be, it's going to be Kamala Harris. That video's got like a million YouTube views. But if it's true that it is Kamala, and she comes in, William Branham saw in 1933 that she, after she gets in, she is going to dismantle the Constitution and the country is going to be on fire. It's going to be like a war. Zone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, but let's get back, and, and that's again, yeah. These are these are for another topic. These are for another day, Steve. Um, but but more on point. Oh, oh like, the pain. I'll, you I'll, know, I'll guess just, Mark talked oh, about the pain. <laughs> my bad, my bad. I thought I was on the topic of the pain. Yeah. Robert. Yeah. I just want to say one thing. It'll be really quick before Steve talks. Steve, I don't know much about your organization or your website or, you know, the prophecy and all that. But you know what? I respect the hell out of you. You come here every week, and you are passionate about what you truly believe in. And you're not putting on a facade. You're not putting on a show. You're not two-faced. And you respect everyone else's opinions, even if you don't agree with them. And that's what we need to unify America. We need more Steves conducts themselves every week selflessly with decorum and who has tolerance. Even though he may not agree with what Kelly may say or I may say or you may say, he never disrespects us. He never disrespects our views. And you're passionate about what you're supporting, and that is what makes America the greatest country in the world. I just have to say that, Steve. You have the utmost, my utmost respect. And maybe if you want to shoot, Robert, the link to your organization, um, you know, I'd be ignorant just because I don't agree to not at least check it out and see what it's all about. So, Steve, my utmost respect to you, buddy. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks. It's just – it's all about having a plan, you know, uh, 
have a plan, guys. It's taken 18 weeks just to get a passport. It is just ridiculous. It's like they don't want you to leave. 18 weeks to get a passport. It's ridiculous. It's just have a plan because you can not depend on the United States of America. If there's nothing else that you, after everything I said on all these shows about the 800-page book I've got that talks about 200 years of medical lies, how you can't trust the medical system, there's nothing else. You cannot depend on the USA. You can no longer. This is not the 90s. This is not 20 years ago. Well, and this that, is not a stable and that's, country. And that's what depend. Well, and that's what, Steve, and that's what we're trying, you know, what we're trying to do here is, you know, we're trying to, you know, find re- reasons. You know, that, that's what this show, this episode's about is, you know, I think Mark, you know, has, has found something that, it is being utilized, and not a lot of people are, you know, what you know, awoken to it. And who knows? Maybe in a way, it can, you know, address what you're talking about. Now, I'm, I've never been real big in you know, you know, prophecies and things of that nature. Uh, they could, they, they could be true or going to be true or whatever. I mean, you know, and I haven't really looked as much into them as as, as, you, as you have. Definitely, it's and it's definitely interesting here. I do, I do see some things. That have you know come to pass a lot. I mean, I, I wasn't a big subscriber, and I'm going to end it at this. And I'm bringing it back to you, uh, Mark. Is that you know you keep hearing about oh the mark of the beast, and I never really subscribed to that, you know. But I know what the mark of the beast is supposed to to be, and I know what the signs that something is supposed to be. You know, the mark of the you know, beast, where you can you know you can't buy anything, you can't go anywhere, and this vaccine, your vaccine passport, sounds a lot like it. So now is it something where it's life imitating art, so to speak? We've all heard of that phrase, or if this is actually, you know, a real prophecy coming to, uh, you know, to fruition. But what we're doing here tonight is, you know, we, I believe we found something, or not we, I mean, Mark really, you know, found something that we can actually use. We need to find something that we can use to fight against this. I mean, just having this, oh, well, this is what this says, this is what that says, it, you know, that, no, I'm not saying that knowledge isn't important, but we also got to go, okay, with the knowledge that Mark is bringing with us tonight, you know, and we're going to talk about this later on in the program, is what do we do with it? Because it's, it's not enough to know what could happen. We got to figure out what we could do about it. So we, we can't just hang back and let, if these, if these prophecies are true, or will be true. We just can't hang back and let them happen. Uh, we have to do something to keep them from happening, right? And so I think this could be a way. And the politicians, and, and the politicians, by using this method that Mark is talking about, I think this is something that we can actually do and combat against it. So keep these these, these prophecies. We don't want to see them happening with to, to occur. But go ahead. Uh, I mean, that's how I set that up, so go ahead, Mark. Well, thank you, Robert. I appreciate the way you had said all that as well. The idea of understanding that imposition creates opposition is an understanding of how every single one of us human beings respond to imposition, and that is, is that it is our natural response to opposition, to oppose that which imposes upon us. And that's why I ask, how, you know, think of the things that you love to do or the things you love to have. And the instant that some law wants to decree against it, against what you love to do or against what you love to have, 
then you immediately, as a natural human response, will oppose that. And this is why as we look at what we see with the authoritarian left and the authoritarian right are able to tap into their constituency's willingness to impose on others to get political support and then do that imposition. And that imposition causes the natural human response of the other side to have opposition. It's a natural human response. We can look at, at things that are different. For example, the left wants gun control. The right wants marriage control. Both really are about control. They're not about marriage, and they're not about guns. They're about control. And each side is willing to give the authoritarian right or the authoritarian left the authority to impose on others, whether it's imposing gun control from the left or imposing marriage control from the right. As an example, it's the constituency's imposerism, willingness to, willingness to let the leaders of their respective side to impose on the other side, which creates the imposition against them, which causes their natural opposition. We get so angry when they oppose our impositions, but we need to understand humanity. And humanity is imposition creates opposition. A person's opposition to our imposition is not their fault, but we blame it like there is. Their opposition to our imposition is our fault because we're the ones willing to impose it upon them. So if we're coming from the right and willing to impose marriage control, we're creating the opposition to the marriage control. If we're coming from the left and we want to have gun control, people's opposition to gun control is not their fault. It's our fault of those who would want gun control. Now, I'm not taking a, a willingness of imposerism on either side because I don't support gun control or marriage control for unrelated consenting adults. But my point being is, is that this is what's happening. Is we need to be aware of our own psychology and the psychology of all other normal human beings. And the psychological fact of all normal human beings is this fact. Imposition creates opposition. I would encourage everybody hearing my voice to write those three words down on a piece of paper and look at them and understand what they're actually saying. That's the pain, the pain point that is causing all of this. Imposition creates opposition. The minute you're willing to impose on others, you yourself are the one at fault for causing the opposition. But what do we do? We make it worse. The opposition responds and we fight like devils. We use the three Ds. We demoralize, and we say that they're immoral. We dehumanize, and we say they're inhuman. We demonize and say that they're evil. It, it goes to that discussion of hate that Robert was so eloquently saying earlier, that we, we're, we're using the three Ds that really escalates that opposition that we created with our imposition, and then it, we, in, we put gasoline on the flame, and it creates an even worse explosion. It creates the explosion of emotion, and that's what we're doing. So we need to be aware of this pain that imposition creates opposition. We will soon be talking. Uh, we're probably going to have to uh, quickly have a, a disconnect and a reconnect at the top of the hour, and then we will start the next hour talking about how to identify the problem. See, remember, this is only in three parts. Right now we're discussing the pain, and that is imposition creates opposition. In the next hour, we will discuss the, identifying the problem. And then after we've identified the problem, we want, by knowing the pain, we identify the problem, then we can discuss in the third hour the solution of what we can actually do. So I would encourage you to know that there is more coming and that this is just the beginning. But in order to get to identify the problem, 
we have to first understand the pain. And the pain point, the pain that is universal among all of us, whether you're from the right, whether you're from the left, whether you're anywhere in between or anywhere outside of those parameters, the bottom line is all humanity responds this way. Imposition creates opposition. It is our natural human response. And we have to understand it applies to us and it applies to everybody else as well. And so we have to look at what our own imposerism is, what we're willing to do. When we're willing to impose on others, it's our fault. It's not their fault. It's our fault because we're willing to impose on them. Their opposition is our fault. And so we have to understand the pain point first to then be able to identify the problem. And then once we understand the pain and the problem, then we can achieve the solution. That, that's really what we're discussing here today. Did that help you, Robert? Well, one of the comments I want to use as an, as an analogy for something that very recently in the I'm, – I'm hearing myself again. Something that – you know, and I've opened up the, the show with this, is that the, here's an imposition is the forced vaccination that, you know, Biden wants to impose – on 80 million people in America. That is creating an opposition that there are people who are willing to create a civil war because of it. So if there there does become a civil war, then whose fault is it? Now, if the left will try to blame us, for if there's a civil war started, when actually, by them trying to impose on the unvaccinated to force them to put a chemical in their body, they are the ones who are you know, guilty of actually causing the civil war because they're trying to impose this vaccination on people. So well, we'll, we'll talk about more about this in the solution portion is – you know, what we could do, you know, about that as well. So that that's kind of my analogy. I mean, would that, more would that be Martin, an apt analogy? I think you really expressed your, your, your understanding it. You're getting it. And that is, is that you have to look at the imposition creates the opposition and that it is those who are imposing who are the ones at fault of causing the opposition. And so you are exactly getting that. And I would say that the forced vaccination is an apt example. It really is. It's just one of those, you know, it's the willingness to impose a forced vaccination and, and to impose upon businesses to have to require and be the enforcers for government, which is another discussion altogether of anti-constitutionalist concepts. But the idea of imposition is indeed the fault with the imposer, not with the opposer. And, and I would agree with you that I am frequently worried. I refer to what I call the Second American Revolutionary War a.k.a. the Second American Civil War. I, I put the two together because that's really what it would be. And I do see that we are getting to that stage that we are very seriously on track for that, and we really need to stop that and find a way to do that. And that's why I really hope to get this message out of, of allowing us from all sides to see the humanity of all of us, to understand who we all are as individuals, and that 
the minute we want to impose on others, we're the ones who are at fault for causing their opposition because their opposition did not exist until the imposition created it. And using your excellent example and that those who are opposed to forced vaccination, they didn't have any opposition until the imposition of the forced vaccination was imposed. That's exactly right. So you've understood the timeline and the process and the blame and the fault for where it originates. And the fault and blame originates with the imposer, not the opposer. And you've got that right, I believe. So before we get uh, close to the top of the hour to go to the the next point, um, is is where this comes from, is that – do you have any questions on that, Joseph or Steve? Well, I just have a couple of comments. I'll keep it brief. Once again, you're not introducing a new concept. Uh, At the end of the day, you're not even factoring in the unexpected. With all due respect, sir, COVID-19 and the draconian lockdowns and the people who lost their livelihoods, they're not at fault for that. Politics has been a dirty pool for a long time. Either side, left, right, middle, libertarian, it's all the same, imposerary. Imposition creates opposition. And I'm trying to figure out, which I'm still confused, is you stated at the beginning of the conversation, pretend like you're talking to me like I'm next to you. It sounds like you're a professor giving me a lecture. doesn't sound like you're having a real conversation in real time and a real flow. And again, I don't understand what your angle is. I'm being honest because you're not telling me anything new. It's not a new concept. You know what really worries me more about imposition creating opposition is what is, what, what, what is going to happen tomorrow, the unexpected. How furthermore down the hole as a country are we going to go? Now, Steve is right when he was saying in the 90s, in the early 21st century, you know, um, things were different in America, um, but it's not the same today. My main worries is, are we going to have an economy, or are we going to go in the tank? Is the stock market going to crash? Is China going to start shooting ballistic missiles? With all due respect, sir, if we would have had this conversation maybe 20 years ago, I'd say completely give you the floor. Right now as a country, in my opinion, and I have to emphasize in my opinion, I don't think we have the luxury of the time to waste time debating concepts that have been around for a very long time. I'm more pressed with, are we going to have an economy tomorrow? Are we going to go over the financial cliff? What's, what's going to happen in Afghanistan? What are our enemies going to do with North Korea launching their missiles? Uh, I'm sorry, but that's the truth. So let's go back to you. Did you want to uh, add? Well, well, go ahead, well, Mark. Mark, you still there? Are you there? Yeah, I'm here now. I, I, I heard the last two or three sentences of the previous uh, statement, but that's about all I've heard because I got kicked off for some reason. But I'm back. Okay, Mark. Okay, yeah, yeah. Block talk is sometimes. Uh, well, it's I. You know, I want to once I hear your solutions, Mark, then I'll I'll have a full context of the whole scenario of of, of the situation. I just wish that a hundred million people were here to 
listen to what you have to say because it's like ethics and morals and you know what we're about to what you're about to discuss, man. It's like we need a lot of people hearing it, man. And that's the you know that's that's the problem. But go ahead, Mark. Well, and that's what we're you know, and that's and that's what we're trying to and that's what we're trying to bring to folks because yes, well, I mean, as you pointed out, Joseph, and, and I know you you missed a lot of that, Mark, or some of it at least, is that. I mean, we we certainly got plenty of, of, of issues going on, whether it's the economy or whether it's, you know, war or things of that nature. But those, th- those things are being discussed. And, and one thing I do like to do here, I mean, yes, we certainly talk about those here on Bard's Logic. But one thing I, I've always wanted to do and I still like to do on the show is talk about things that, you know what, people just aren't talking about, whereas this might not be an old concept, who is, who, and, and people know it. That's fine, okay. I, I think that he's putting in you know, there's a there, there is going to be some some new things heard, but the the thing the problem is is while while this isn't a new concept, no who who has actually addressed it, who has actually addressed what they're doing. I mean, yeah, you I mean you could talk about something or make reference to something and just be like shrug or shoulder say, well yeah, we know what happens, we we know what happens, okay. Well then what? Now what you know, what are you going to do with that knowledge? And that's in part what I'll, you know, we're going to be doing here tonight. And, again, I mean, I, I, yeah, there's, there's plenty of strife out there. There's plenty of the things to worry about. Like, like I, I mean, I could talk about the, you know, how I think it's fascist, what Biden is trying to do with the, the uh, you know, the vaccine mandate. Now, I could certainly, you know, talk about that or talk about, you know, what they're trying to do with the elections, which, again, I think those, those two are the most important issues right now. Uh, that we have because if we're going to force people, you know, if we're going to lose the freedom by, you know, forcing people to pay, take a chemical into their arm, okay, or two, you know, you can't have an election that, you know, you can't trust, you know, then how can you move forward with, with that? We got to find a thing, we got to find something that is going to be beyond elections, that's going to be beyond politics. I mean, I love politics, and politics is very important. That's why I majored in, in, you know, in college. But we're going to have to find something that transcends politics, because but Robert, being involved in politics, that... while, 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 while is important in, in addressing these facts, two things. One, people are addressing them, and I want to address things that people aren't. And, you know, and two, is that we are going to have to find something that's going to transcend you know, transcend politics. We're, we're going to have to find something, and and it's going to have to bring people together. Whether regardless of our, you know, what side of the aisle we're on, because all all, all we're doing is, is fighting against each other. But yeah, you know, we're, we're only at two minutes for the next part, uh, Mark. So I'll bring it. I'll bring it back to you, and then maybe with the other two portions, as uh, Steve alluded to, uh, we'll get more of, um, you know, of of an awakening of. of what we're actually trying to get accomplished here. But go ahead, Mark. Thank you, Robert. I appreciate that. I think that what we're seeing here is the need for us to open our minds and not be so quick to respond to our heuristics because actually that's what happens with the fact of why imposition creates opposition is that very often the opposition is based on heuristics and one associates things they think they've heard or understood and then try to associate it with that and then have 
for whatever reason, a negative perspective of what they think they're hearing, but they're not actually – we haven't even gotten to the second or the third portion. All the pain was was to establish the pain before we get to the problem and get to the solution. So there is not really even a basis of suggesting it's all been said before and it's all been done before. You know, we've all breathed there before too, but you know what? We keep breathing the next breath tomorrow and the next day. We keep taking one breath after the next. You know, the, the fact is, is this is information that is not being applied, has not been applied, is not being taught, and certainly is not happening in our political environment as we see the rage of imposer versus imposer politics. And really, that's the first thing we have to identify, and I don't think you'll see anybody anywhere has been calling this imposer versus imposer politics, and that's really what we are right now. And each side is bringing its impositions that create more opposition. That is what is making us angrier and angrier and angrier with each other because we're constantly imposing on each other. And to the point that we become so self-absorbed that we only see what we want to see, and we become so self-absorbed that we only want our solutions that we've already determined are the solutions we need to have rather than recognizing that maybe we're at fault in the first place. All of us. This is about all of us, not about everybody else, but this is about all of us individually because every single one of us, we all have our own preferred forms of imposerism, of the things we're willing to impose on others. And so that's why what the first hour was about, or the, the section that I was able to be here on time for, uh, I was here early, but we had an, a technical issue that couldn't get me on. And the, the fact is we needed to identify how to recognize the pain. The pain is that imposition creates opposition. And since we are at the top of the hour, Robert, should I continue and move into the second section? Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. Okay, I will do that. Now that we can recognize the pain, how do we identify the problem? To do that, we ask three test questions. Who is the imposer? What is the imposition? And who is the opposer? When we ask these three test questions, we can identify the problem caused by the from earlier in the first section. Who is the imposer? The politician and supporters of swim control. What was the imposition? The ban on swimming. Who is the opposer? The swimmers who just love to do what they love to do. When we ask the three test questions, who is the imposer, what is the imposition, and who is the opposer, we get a clarity of what's actually happening when an imposition creates opposition. But as we ask these three test questions, there are two things we have to always remember about opposers. First, opposers of opposers are not opposers, or as I like to say, Op of op are not op. Again, op of op are not op. That's shorthand for saying opposers of opposers are not opposers. They are imposers. And any imposer pretending to be an opposer is an imposter. So the first thing to remember about opposers is op of op are not op. Opposers of opposers are not opposers. Second, sometimes those who used to be opposers become the new imposers. It's like the song by the famous band The Who, We Won't Get Fooled Again. The lyrics go, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. Let me illustrate. I got another story for you. This one is about 
Coach Control. C-O-A-T. Coach Control. And they declare, one man, one coach. But what that sexist statement really means is, one man's coat per person. Eventually, a group rises to oppose that, the women. The women say, hey, why can't I have an attractive pretty coat? The men come out to demoralize, dehumanize, and demonize the women. How dare you? The women say, hey, we just want to have a pretty coat. So they get angry. Everybody fights back and forth. And finally, they say, fine. One man's coat for a man, one woman's coat for a woman. Eventually, another group rises to oppose that. The choosers. Some woman says, you know, I never really did want to wear a woman's coat. Some guy says, hey, I want to look fabulous. Why can't I wear a woman's coat? Then the women, who used to be opposers, join with the men. They become the new imposers, and together they gang up to demoralize, dehumanize, and demonize the choosers. How dare you be so different? The choosers say, hey, we just want to have a choice. So they get angry. Everybody fights back and forth, and finally they say, fine. One code of choice per person. Eventually, yet another group rises to oppose that. The adders. The adders say, hey, we are unrelated, consenting adults. Why can't we add more than one coat? Then the choosers, who used to be opposers, join with the women, who used to be opposers, who join with the men. They all become the new imposers, and they gang up to demoralize, dehumanize, and demonize the adders. How dare you be so selfish? The adders say, we just want to have a choice of more than one. So everybody gets angry, everybody fights back and forth, and wait, wait, I got to stop here. Stop. Does this story ever end? From real life, we know the truth is, it never ends. But the lesson we learn from this is that sometimes those who used to be opposers become the new imposers. And so that's why when we ask the three test questions, the two things we have to always remember about opposers is first, op of op are not op, opposers of opposers are not opposers, and second, sometimes those who used to be opposers become the new imposers. We have learned a lot here so far. We have learned to recognize the pain. Imposition creates opposition. We have learned to identify the problem. By asking the three test questions, who is the imposer, what is the imposition, and who is the opposer? But let's look at what the problem is doing to us. Picture this. Gas. Spark. Flame. Replace those three with imposerism, imposition, opposition. Like a vapor, our imposerism is a gas. And wow, does our gas stink. The imposition is the spark that the politicians bring to our gas, to our imposerism. And that spark ignites the flame. Our imposition creates the opposition. We ignite the flame. We ignite the fight. But what do we do? We take it to the next step. Picture this. Flame. 
pouring gasoline on it, explosion. Replace those three with opposition. Using the three Ds, explosion of emotion. The opposition only exists because the imposition created it. We ignite the flame. We ignite the fight. But what do we do? We blame the flame. We blame the opposition. And we use the three Ds. We demoralize, dehumanize, and demonize. Like pouring gasoline on a flame, that creates the explosion of emotion, of hurt, and vengeance. This is the metaphor of what we're doing to each other. As gas to spark to flame, to pouring gasoline on it to explosion. It is our imposerism to the imposition that creates the opposition. Then the three Ds create the explosion of emotion of hurt and vengeance. Round and round we go from all sides getting angrier and angrier and angrier. This is what we are all doing to each other. This is what the problem is doing to all of us. So now we can recognize the pain that imposition creates opposition. Now we can identify the problem by asking the three test questions. Who is the imposer? What is the imposition? And who is the opposer? But as we recognize the pain and identify the problem, is there a solution? That's what we'll discuss in the third hour. But for now, let's talk about the problem and asking the three test questions. And if you have a piece of paper, I would recommend write these three test questions down right now. One, who is the imposer? Two, what is the imposition? And three, who is the opposer? These are important three test questions for us all to always remember to ask. So let's now discuss the problem. Now that we've understood the pain, understand the problem, let's talk about the problem right now. Robert? Well, well, so we've got that. So, and I think the analogy of uh, I hear myself again. Uh, but anyway, the analogy of the of the coach and wanting more coach, and then well, yeah, I mean, we have seen this. I mean, we have seen well. Perfect example. I'm going to use the same. Uh, I'm going to use the same uh, analogy because it's it's recent in the news, and that is with these forced vaccines. Now there's a phrase, and since we're using phrases that we heard a lot about when it came to abortion, and that is my body, my choice. So the liberals were thinking, hey, wait a minute, you are imposing, you know, the imposers are the religious right, right, and, and, and conservative and religious politicians. So that this is my analogy for it, and let me know if this, this fits, is that it used to be where, again, the imposer was, again, the, the alt-right, the religious right, uh, who were saying, if you get pregnant, you have, to have, you, know, you have to carry the baby to term. The position is they don't want to be pregnant, but they're being made to be pregnant, you know, because there wasn't a law or, or there's people trying to make them keep the pregnancy. And then the people who are the opposer are the people who want to be able to have abortion. And so they come up with a slogan that says, my, you know, my body, my choice. Well, now those same people who are were saying, okay, the opposition, the opposers, are, but now they're in the spot where they're trying to uh, be the imposer by saying, hey, look, you need to get this vaccination, you know, to protect people who are vaccinated, which doesn't make sense. If you're unvaccinated, if you're vaccinated, why should you worry about 
the people who are unvaccinated. But these same people are now trying to put the imposition on, you know, you know, on the of having to force to get a vaccination, a chemical in your body, and the people who are opposing it, the opposers, are the unvaccinated. Say, hey, look, now and now they're using their own phrase, and I think well, wellfully so. My body, my choice. So it's it's interesting how you see that you know that one phrase working through. You know these two groups. And where they're, they're kind of the, you know, they're kind of the opposites. And I got the liberals who used to, act, you know, they were the ones who were the opposers of being forced to have something in their body that they don't want in there. They were the, uh, the, the opposers to that. But they have now become posers of making people put a vaccination inside their body. So now how can they come back and be like, look, how are you guys any different? How, how are these liberals now any different than the conservatives who were trying to, you know, who, who were against them, you know, being able to not have a baby in their body? I mean, is that an apt analogy? I think that the issue of prenatal infanticide certainly is an excellent double-sided metaphor. Uh, for us, an, an example for us to discuss regarding the issue of imposition creating opposition on both sides. And I definitely think that your continuation of that to the next step of the hypocrisy of then being willing to use it for forced vaccine, vaccination, I, I, I think you're well put in the way you said that. Because certainly, if you're the one saying, my body, my choice, in your opposition to prenatal infanticide, uh, being uh, prohibited, then how can you be equally saying, uh, or or then turn around and be in the imposer to force people to take a vaccination when they equally can say my body, my choice? I think that your identification of that hypocrisy is well said. I would recognize that the issue of prenatal infanticide, which is the way I call it and identify it, but I know that many others like to use the word abortion, and I would acknowledge that. If we stop and just look at it from the way other human beings are seeing things, regardless of how we're seeing things or how we define what's true and what's right, I think that we can look at it and say that the one issue of prenatal infanticide certainly poses a challenge of, for example, the one side says you are imposing on the baby's right to not be killed, you know, to not be murdered, to not be killed. That, and it, that it's about not imp- – that. Abortion is murder on the baby, and therefore the, imp- the imposers are the ones who want to impose the murder on the baby. That's how the pro-life side would see themselves, as they are – they would see themselves not as the imposers, but as the opposers of the baby's lives. Whereas the other side as well, I could totally see from the perspective of the pro-abortion side that they, they see it as trying to prevent them from having prenatal infanticide is the imposition, and they oppose that. So this is one of those bigger dichotomies that we do face that both sides see themselves as the imposers and as the opposers, and certainly we need to come to a conclusion. I have always said that I believe that those who want to support the, the prenatal infanticide side, I believe that they are not necessarily 
deliberately murderous, that they absolutely want to kill the baby. I think that really what they want is baby no more, as I call it in quotes, baby no more. And that really they just want the baby gone so that they don't have the responsibility for it, whatever. And that I would like to see from both sides, instead of wasting our money fighting each other in imposer versus imposer concepts, but rather that we invest our research to find ways to be able to transplant for surrogacy or some form that way right. so that it doesn't, doesn't require the murder. That. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, I've said that what? for years. With the, with the technology yeah. that we have – why they haven't uh, created an artificial womb at this point? Um, Why haven't we? Exactly. exactly. And I think, to be honest with you, I think that that's that's the the end solution for us. I really do. I think it's getting to that because I can acknowledge when we talk about what imposition creates opposition that the one issue of prenatal infanticide, both sides see themselves as the opposers to the other side being an imposer. I absolutely see that, and this is one of the rare situations that that happens. But if we come to, when we get to the solution and we apply the solution, that if we come to the table with a willingness to not impose on others, then I think that we can get to that better technological solution, and therefore we don't have to have babies being murdered, and we the women that are in this situation can be able to also have baby no more and not no longer feel that they're being imposed upon either. So I think that that's how we can solve and address that. Now, stepping beyond the issue of prenatal infanticide and then transferring the concept of my body, my choice, I think that that really does lend itself as a well example and demonstrating hypocrisy of the fact that it is absolutely imposing the force of a ban, excuse me, the force of a vaccine on others to inject something into their body, the my body, my choice is the opposition cry. It really is. And it makes sense. And it is not their fault because they're opposing. It's the fault of the imposition that, that seeks to force that imposed vaccine upon them. So I think that your whole use of the one analogy and then transferring it to the second, I think is well made. And I, and I, I think you said it very well, Robert. Oh, thank you. Well, I mean, so with, with, with that, those analogies, uh, you know, what Mark stated there. So does that give, you know, for you, Joseph, you know, more of, um, you know, fleshing things out uh, for you with what, with what we're looking at and trying to do tonight? Not at all. First of all, what Mark is saying is that we're all at fault. I don't agree. Second of all, it's basically a stalemate because what Mark is saying is all sides, regardless of the spectrum, is culpable. And I'm not buying that for one second. Now, Mark is entitled to his opinion. I respect that. He's entitled to come in, and he's entitled to back up his arguments. And he's entitled to do that. But at the same time, you know, I've heard these sermons so many times. People who profess to know all the answers or some of the answers or the solutions, instead of people who could say, in my opinion or in my expertise, and these are the facts that back up my argument. So, again, I'm just speaking the truth. Hey, I'm not here to tear you down because you're a guest. Not at all. You're you're free to go out there, sell your message. That's what makes this country great. And let the chips fall where they may. You know, sell it to the court of public opinion. But at the end of the day, you don't have me sold. And 
I'm sorry. At the beginning of the show, you said you were going to speak as if we were in front of you. And you're actually speaking to me as if you're giving a lecture or sometimes as if you're a radio host who's very energetic uh, when you have that high tonality. Instead, if you want to sell your message, in my opinion, just speak and flow naturally. Don't try to give a lecture. Don't try to give a sermon. And please don't try to tell the whole world that you know what the pain is, that you know what the problem is, and that you know what the solution is. And this we needs to be redefined because we implies everyone. I didn't sign up for this we, with all due respect. And I'm not going to change on my stance on that. So at the end of the day, Mark, you're not speaking to me as if you're in front of me. You're coming across as you're giving me a lecture, a sermon, something that I've heard 9,000 times before. And at the end of the day, in my opinion, it's moot because no side wins. Every side is culpable. And I'm sorry, this is where I disagree with you. We are not all at fault, and I am not the expert here. That is my opinion. But I am not going to go out there on, on a show or on the record and say to somebody else that, hey, you're all to blame, and uh, I'm the expert, and I can give you what the pain and the problem and the solution is. That's sounding more like a self-help book, with all due respect. So good luck with that in the messaging. I hope that works in the court of public opinion. Um, but I'm just giving you – I'm being real with you, Mark. I'm being honest with you as if I were in front of you. That's how I, that's exactly what I'm telling you now is what I would say to you if I were in front of you, and I would say it respectfully. Talk to me like a human being. Don't talk to me like you're giving me a lecture in some uh, church or in some university. And please don't profess to be the expert on what the pain, the problem, and the solution is. Because if that were the case, Mark, if you were the expert in that, then we wouldn't have a divided country, would we? We wouldn't be in the position we're in. So you completely contradict yourself. Did you want to uh, go, go ahead, Mark? I'm going to leave that open for you to, to, to comment on that. Uh, certainly. I'd be happy to. I'd be happy to. Thank you for that. No, I am well, aware. I, I, have a, I have a book that is one of my favorite books called Thank You for Arguing. And it's a book of rhetoric. And it teaches all the concepts of argumentation and how when people don't have an argument, they will find ways to undermine the arguer. And I see this also happen many times in online. You will see you'll make a comment, you'll make an intellectual discussion or a statement, and someone will do a mocking laughter. And my response to that has always been that I'm always grateful to the mocking laughter, laughters. Because by doing so, they actually reveal to the rest of us that they admit that they know they have no real argument to make. So they, they resort to the ad hominem, the insult, the humor, or the tearing down of the messenger while not addressing the message. I understand that the challenge of the fact that I'm saying as human beings, I'm at fault we're all at fault because every time we do this, every time we respond, the very fact that there's even this, this passive-aggressive kind of hostility toward even what I'm sharing here this evening and the suggest that I somehow think I'm an expert, that, that it's not something I profess myself here to be, that that 
itself is a type of hostility that is being manifest, even if done so in a more man- in a passive aggressive manner. I understand that nobody likes to consider that they could be at fault for something. I don't like being at fault at anything. I'm talking about us as human beings acknowledging our frailty, acknowledging our humanity, acknowledging our own individual weaknesses. And one of our weaknesses is our willingness to impose on others, our willingness to make sure that what we want for the world is the world we're going to make and force and happen. And that trying to have us all wake up, to wake ourselves up, not because I'm here as the expert, I have merely put this into a structural format so that people can walk away remembering the principles that have been taught. And so it's been broken down into the concept of the pain, the problem, and the solution so that we can individually walk away remembering what was being discussed here. But it's certainly not like I'm trying to profess as I'm the ultimate expert of the entire world or anything of that nature. It's nothing like that. It's an acknowledgement that we're all human beings and we're all vulnerable to making mistakes. And one of our weaknesses is our imposerism. It is what allows the politicians to tap into it, to exploit us. And I'm giving people the power to say to that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in control of this. I'm not going to let my own imposerism be exploitable. I'm trying to give people their own power. I'm not condemning people by saying they're at fault. I'm saying that we have to acknowledge it. It's the same thing if you, you, you mentioned self-help, and that certainly always talks about taking personal responsibility and not making excuses uh, for what we do. If that's, where, that's a direction that you want to go down to, Uh, for the idea of self-help. Certainly, each one of us has to take a responsibility for what we do. And I'm not trying to say it's everybody else. I'm saying it's all of us. As human beings, we're all making that mistake. We're all participating in this kind of anger-inducing, anger-increasing, anger-causing society that we are now in, and that we're doing this because we are not aware. It doesn't matter if you believe you've heard for the last 20,000 years, this idea, I have not heard anybody saying imposition creates opposition. It, and even though it is a fundamental truth of normal human response, that doesn't make me anything special just because I happen to have stumbled upon its realization. That, that truth exists whether I do or not. And the reality is true for every human being. Imposition creates opposition. And we as human beings need to be aware of this concept, aware of this pain, that imposition creates opposition. So that allows us to self-check ourselves so that we realize, oh, am I trying to impose on someone? Their opposition is because I imposed on them. That allows us to have a self-reflection. Rather than blaming an enemy, it allows us to have introspection. That's really where I'm coming from. I admit, I am a passionate guy, and I am very passionate about this message. There's no question about that. I am talking like a normal human being that is the way I talk. And I talk this way when I'm having a phone call conversation. I talk this way when I'm in front of people and we're discussing this issue. I think this is such a paramount importance. I do believe it's important. I do not think I'm some great high mucky muck. I just think I happen to have stumbled across something. And I think it can be of great value to all of us. And I'm trying to share it. (laughs) I understand. That's all I'm trying to do. I can now, Robert. I understand. He's being specific. Now, now you're speaking to me like an actual person, and I respect that. But at the beginning of the first hour and a half, what you were saying, you were saying it in vague terms, and it took me my my statements to make you come out and be specific. You have to be specific. 
the beginning, you were saying we're all at fault. You didn't go specifically and categorically and explain it the way you did. And when you make statements like that that are vague, well, they're going to be subject to interpretation. And number two, with all due respect, I'm not here trying to argue. You're the one that's on this show who's trying to convey a message. If you're going to back your arguments, you should have came on the show with stats, studies, things to back it up of substance. Yet you're basically saying that I have no argument, so therefore I'm just choosing to argue. Well, if anyone who's ever known me on this show knows, that's not me. Robert can at least attest to that and other people on the show who've known me. What I don't like is when someone is a guest on this show and doesn't do their homework and doesn't come with the stats or the studies to back up what you're saying, and then you tell me that I have no argument, and so basically I'm just trying to argue. With all due respect, you're the guest. You're the one bringing us this topic. You're the one that's supposed to have the facts to back up your argument, which you haven't done one iota throughout this show and throughout this hour and a half. None I have to disagree. I have to disagree with that. I think it's time. To, I think it's. I have to disagree with that. You're repeating a circle of statements. Let's understand something here. Okay, is that I am trying to help you see something that affects all of us. The fact is, imposition creates opposition. The fact is, if I try to impose on something you love to do. If I try to impose on something you love to have, I've already proven to you the fact that you will oppose that. You will oppose me imposing on you. That's a fact. That's a statistic you can hold on to in your own mind. I have always been explicit from the beginning of this hour and that you're, you are indeed undermining me as a speaker without ex- addressing what I've actually said. I have laid it out from the beginning that this would be in three parts. And there needs to be an understanding of patience. Okay, so you needed specifics or you needed an answer. You could ask the questions, but you didn't take the direction to ask questions. You chose the direction to try to undermine me as a speaker, undermine me as a guest on the show. You have not taken a direction that respects me outside of saying I respect you in a passive-aggressive backhanded slap way. What I'm trying to share with you is that this is something each one of us has within us, and that is our imposerism, our willingness to impose on others. And our worldview is shaped by the way we think and see things based on our heuristics. And you have your worldview. And you are, for whatever reason, perceiving that what I'm doing is imposing upon you because you don't want to take the blame for your own imposerism. And when I say that, I'm not accusing you of that. I'm saying it is a natural fact of all of us. But you are responding like you believe I'm accusing you of having a fault. But the truth is we all humanity has this fault. And the the fact that we feel this way is the fact and is the stats. So that's the point is that you're responding, you're in opposition because you feel I'm imposing on something you don't want to face. You don't want to face the fact that we all have imposerism. You want to say it's not true, but it is true. Every single one of us has the things we're willing to impose on others. And if you didn't have imposerism in yourself, you would have been very kind toward me from the very beginning without a passive aggressive mentality and not trying to undermine what me as a person, but actually ask questions. You need specifics, you ask for specifics. You need questions, to, things to answer, I'd be happy to. But that's not the path you chose. You chose to undermine me. So this is why I understand that this is the problem in our society, is that we're fighting each other, and you're fighting me now. This is just another example. And we don't need to fight each other because I'm not I'm seeking sorry. to impose on you. 
I'm not undermining you. I have not done anything to undermine you. I have not said anything disrespectful to you in any way, shape, or form. I have not used any inflammatory language. I have not been sarcastic. So please, spare me the victimhood card, please, because that's, that's, that's really not cool. I have not done anything to undermine you. Forgive me if you're not used to being questioned. Forgive me that's if... Not, that, see, that's a backhanded slap. I can on. take anything. You make statements throughout the show. You have barely asked any questions. So I am also making statements on this show. So what am I doing wrong? You tell me. Because you don't agree with the statements? Now, I could understand if I was sarcastic to you or I said inflammatory language or I said you didn't have an IQ. or you didn't, I didn't say any of that. So with all due respect, sir... I have not done anything to undermine you or be disrespectful to you. However, the fact that you're continuing this is disrespectful. Let me finish. The fact that you're doing this now is disrespectful. Let me finish. The fact that you're doing this now is disrespectful. The fact that you're doing this now is disrespectful. The fact that you're doing this now is disrespectful. The fact that you're doing this now is disrespectful. Okay, I'm going to mute guys. I'm the mute mics, which I, I probably couldn't tell you the last time I've done that. Um, a little background on myself and, and Bard's Logic is when I first started the show, what, I, what we just witnessed here is something I could not stand when I watched other shows. And I would not, and I do not, and I will not. Allow that stuff on the program. I, 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 it's, it's a pet peeve of mine. So we, don't, we, we won't talk over each other. I, I do not like that. One of the things you rarely will see me do on the show is, one, mute mics. It's probably been years since I've done it, um, at least to two people. And per, personally, again, I, you know, I don't interject a lot of my stuff here on the show, but I actually do believe that this is a perfect example uh, of what our guest is now. The reason, one of the reasons why, you know, I brought Mark and this topic on the show is that do I have statistics? No. Could it be considered antidotal evidence with what I'm about to say? Perhaps. But I've said this probably you know and, and, and joseph you, you've been on the show enough and frequently enough to, to know this is true is that i've been saying for a long time that and i've said it multiple times on this program and i've say, even said it tonight and i will reiterate it is that i'm not t- talking about the, the people we have here but i'm talking about the two sides Left and right. Let's just use that for simplistic sake. I follow politics since I was 10 years old. It used to be where we could have conversations with the right and the left, and at the end of the day, we didn't hate each other. We didn't. We hate each other now. And I said this way before Mark has ever come onto the program. When he, when he just brought this up, when we were talking about a totally separate pot topic, as he stated, so, you know, he stumbled upon, that rang a bell for me because I'm like, ah, wait a minute, because he was talking about we're being angrier, and we are. Do I have statistics? No. 
Has anyone taken a poll? Not to my knowledge, but I've been following politics for four decades. Four decades, which is about 80% of my life I've been following politics. And because of that experience, I don't think I need statistics. I don't think I need a poll to tell me that we hate each other, and it wasn't always like that. Now, what we're wanting to explore here is, okay, why do we hate each other? And I think by him talking about this imposerism, this is what this, – this certainly, and I believe it's true, contributes to it, both, both from – I mean, because uh, I'll, I'll say it flat out. There are liberals that I hate. I hate them. It wasn't always like that. When I was younger, but when the politics was like this, I didn't say I hated the opposition. I didn't feel like I hated the opposition. I hate people on the opposition. That is something that is new. I know I feel it. I know other people feel it, and I know a ton of people feel it. I don't need a poll to tell me that, and I don't need – you know, I need my own eyes, my own ears, my own 40 years of experience to tell me that we do, and we want to discover why why we hate each other, and if and since we do, let's discover why it is, and then also why are we being made, and that's what I think what we're talking about here is we are being made, and that's another reason why I had Mark on the show, is we are being made to hate each other on the right and on the left, and what we need to discover, if we got an idea, I'm not saying that we have no clue as to why, We've got an inkling as to why we're being made to hate each other. Why more elaboration on why they're making us hate each other? And then, as we want to, you know, talk about at least I do, in the top of the next hour is how do we get that to stop? Because while we are, and I do, I think this banter back and forth uh, between you two, I think that's a great. I, mean, I think it's a great illustration of of what we're of what we're seeing. I do. Uh, I think it's a great illustration of what Mark is talking about. And, you know, it's kind of even, even with people who are on the same side of a lot of, a lot of things. But we need to find out, okay, we, we're, we're doing this systematically. We're doing it, you know, the, the, the pain, okay, what's the problem, now what's the solution? Because we are going to need a solution because if we don't find a solution to this, and I, th- I think these points do have uh, – are valid. Okay, then we're done. We are done. We will become the sheeple that out of force that we don't want to be because they will get us so that we hate each other so much we are going to ignore what they are, what the powers that be, what I call the new oligarchy, and I've said, called them that for years, the political class. For those who've listened to the show for long term, you've heard me use that phrase years ago. I use that phrase, the political class. It is them and us. They are setting us against each other. We're discovering you know, exactly why that is, and then what we can do as people, even though we are on opposite sides of different, acti- you know, different you know, ideologies and ideas, we're going to have to try to find a way to come together because they're using it, as I said in the very beginning of this episode. They're using it to increase their power 
and advance their agenda. So anyway, and, and you know, again, for people who are on the show long term, how little I talk on my own show a lot of times, and I've taken up a lot of air time, which I, I don't like to do. So, and I apologize for, I kind of apologize for interjecting, but you guys were going back and forth, and that's just something I, I do not allow here on Bart's Logic, because I do, and that's why I call it the We the People show, and you guys know it. I do appreciate all of your input. I certainly do. But, once you know, the one thing I can't stand for is, 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 is people going back and forth. There was always a pet peeve of mine, and we'll do that. So let's go ahead, and I think now would be a good time uh, to hear from Steve. We have, uh, appreciate uh, your, you know, sitting back there, Steve. Uh, we also have other callers. Uh, I know you're uh, listening in, uh, to the episodes of the show. If you'd like to chime in, push the one on your number dial, and I'll certainly get you into the, the program. And so let's go ahead and bring things back to Steve, and uh, we'll just kind of move forward. Because, again, in 20 minutes, it's going to be the top of the hour. Don't let your mics or phones uh, hang up, because if not, unfortunately, after that time, you won't be able to call back in. But we, all, we are going to be talking about solutions uh, in the next hour. So let's go ahead and bring it over to you, Steve. Appreciate your patience. Go ahead. No problem. If you remember... You know, the Bible talks about loving your enemies, and the big reason why is so that your lifestyle can be a testimony to them to bring them over to your side. It, it helps to show that you're, you have the, the moral high ground. Like, they'll say, okay, you know, uh, unvaccinated people are imposing on Democrats, and it's like, well, it's not necessarily that, it's that you have a vaccine back in the day, just a couple of deaths, they would pull it immediately. Now we've got like 700 deaths a day being reported to the various database, and the vaccine is not being pulled. We have people resigning from the FDA, two people resigned, over booster shot suggestions that they don't want to see, and they're still going to review the booster shots for approval. So it's like Democrats are saying, okay, we're Im- imposing on them by being unvaccinated, but actually Democrats are imposing on the unvaccinated because you're, you're, you're this, it should have been pulled. There's too many deaths. There's too many problems. It's all over the place. So, so, so loving your enemies and that, that it's, it's, it's a it's a big key there, so that you let the whole world know that you have the moral high ground. I'm not going to, you know, wrestle with you in the dirt. I'm going to take the moral high ground so that you can bring the whole world up to your level. And and, 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 and that's very important to show love to your enemies, and it's very, very hard to do. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not trying to be cheesy, but that way you take the moral high ground. It's very important to stay at the top of the moral high ground. So that you could be an example to the whole world, and they can take your lead, so that we can go to the promised land. Where if it's got to be CDC certified cities, you know, where the vaccinated can have their own towns, you know, separate people, you know, one one plane for the vaccinated, one plane for the unvaccinated, one school for the vaccinated, one school for the unvaccinated. However you want to do it, however you want to solve it. 
loving your enemies is a very, 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 very important key. And so, Bart, if you want to go and pick up a caller, you can, because I know you, they've probably been waiting forever. Well, you know, we, they're, they're on the line. Um, they haven't hit the one on their number dial, so when they do, I will uh, get them in the green room and get them into the show. And, yeah, not being – I mean, I've not heard the phrase, you know, I'm not a you know, very religious guy, but uh, – actually, I'm not, but um, – but I understand, you know, I understand the, you know, the concept, you know, you know, love your enemy, things of that nature. You know, again, bring them to the, maybe you can bring them to, you know, to an understanding with what, with where you're at. But yeah, I mean, because, I mean, I, you know, I understand the whole concept that we could explore that more, if, you know, if we want. Um, but again, you know, as I re- as I reiterate, is that, or I used to have a lot of. Liberal friends, not a lot. I can't say a lot, but I had a good a good amount of them, and I felt like that I can talk to them or with them. Uh, but now it's almost to the point where you can't. You know, it's just because yeah, you can have your debates and then go your separate way. Well, now, <laughs> well, you can't even. You, you, they're not even. We're not even talking to each other, really anymore. You you got you got people in, in their separate bubbles. You got the people on the right talking. Amongst themselves, you have the people on the left that are talking amongst themselves, um, and that, that's just a problem. And maybe we could talk more about what we could do in the solution portion. Mm-hmm. But let's go ahead and uh, bring it back to you. Uh, uh, yeah, bring it back to you, Mark, and then you know Joseph will bring you guys back in. Um, I mean, if there are you know, specific questions or anything of that nature, anything you want to to go on, or maybe as a segue to our uh, top of the hour with solution marks. If you want to take things that way, um, but, but go ahead. Thank you, Robert. It is good. I'm glad that I know a way to be able to try to get us back on track. And I love the way you jumped in and took over the discussion so that we could get back on track, which is about the topic of imposerism and what we're actually here rather than uh, – fighting over whether I'm a worthy human being to even be here sharing what I know. I appreciate your eloquence in the way you had shared what you just shared in the in your interjection and all that, and I thought it was excellent and well stated and, and well said. I appreciate it. Imposition creates opposition. And, and indeed, like you said, we're getting angrier and angrier with each other. And we can even see that what, in what had just happened. Imposing upon me and ascribing false attitudes about what I'm supposedly doing initiated my opposition, and we saw my opposition to that. And that's the challenge that we as human beings have to find within ourselves to not be willing to impose on others. And so we have to come to an understanding that imposition creates opposition. We have to take responsibility for the other's opposition. And indeed, I was in opposition, and that's why I knew that if I, if I talk the way I talk, that's going to get Robert back on, and we're going to get back on track. So that's, I appreciate that you do that, Robert, and that was, that was a good tactic. I was gla- glad to be able to apply, and, and I'm glad for that because the, it also illustrated the very premise I'm making, and that is imposition creates opposition. I was being imposed upon. I responded with opposition, and we see what happens. Imposition creates opposition. We have a perfect illustration that was given to us right here by that example. So, I, great again, grateful to you for 
coming in and interjecting and taking us and allowing us to get back onto track so that this is about the discussion and not about whether someone perceives me as not qualified to say what I'm saying. So the idea that imposition creates opposition, that's the pain. And the problem is we have to always ask in any circumstance the three test questions. Who is the imposer? What is the imposition? And who is the opposer? I would encourage anyone listening, if you've got a piece of paper and pen, write those three questions down. Who is the imposer? What is the imposition? And who is the opposer? Whenever you're seeing a situation being asked, you ask those three test questions. It allows you to be able to understand what's really happening and see where the blame lies of the imposition creating the opposition. That you understand that. It allows you to see that picture with such crystal clarity. I really liked the message that uh, Steve was talking about as well, and he starts talking about loving your enemies and things of that nature. And in the context of what you were saying, Robert, about the fact that we're just so angry with each other and we're just hating each other, it's just it's not a way for us to be as a society. And this is really what we're trying to come together. And it is actually my hope that in bringing the message about imposerism to others, that we can find ways to perfect this message. I'm not saying this is the end-all to be-all message, but this is the beginning, and we need to have this discussion. We need to have the discussion of realizing imposition creates opposition. That's the pain. We have to have a discussion to teach ourselves, to filter ourselves, to ask the three test questions. Who is the imposer? What is the imposition? And who is the opposer? And as we do that, that allows us to see things with a greater clarity whenever they happen. So I, I just continue to repeat my appreciation of the way you handled that and the way you eloquently described it afterward as well. We're going to be going into the second hour, and that's still about 12 minutes away it looks like, or uh, maybe about 11 minutes away. And prior to that, I will need to disconnect and reconnect so that Skype doesn't cut me off in the middle of some important part that I'm talking about so that I have a fresh hour. So I'll be doing that probably between 55 and 59 uh, uh, before the hour. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't do it at 59. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, so we'll play 55, 56, <laughs> or or maybe maybe 57. But the bottom line is, I definitely want to be go. on top there of on top of that. Because because yeah, I think we're coming about. I think we're coming to the part where, um, and, and this, you know, it's kind of bit you know done by design, right? Because you want people to, to be able to listen, to, you know, to everything, but. The, the important part, of course, all you know, you, you got to know the baseline, but also what people want to know who are more direct, like me. I'm, I'm the okay. We know what's going on now. What do we do about it? Okay, I'm, the, I'm, I'm what they call a doer. Okay, and I don't really, I don't care as much about the semantics. I just want to say, okay, what do I need to do to get this done? Um, that, that, that's just my personality. We, we need all kind of, of personalities to. Um, you know, to, to make things work. And I'm a, okay, it's, it's great. It's, we need somebody who has the details. We need people who are the, you know, detail oriented. We ha- we need the people who are the why things happen the way they do. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I want to know why things are being done. Like, why are they trying uh, to make us hate each other? I mean, again, we, we, we've got in a, I think we have a general idea of what, why that is. Um, specifically, maybe some do. Uh, I don't know exactly. I've got a, a, a feeling of, of of why they're trying to make uh, make uh, the citizens hate each other, but but I'm so okay. Now what do we do about it? You know that's my big thing. It's okay. Now we we, we know the problem. Now what what's the solution? So I'm really looking forward to uh, to that portion you know of of this episode. And so 
Uh, before we get uh, get there, I know you got to go back, and, you know, to to cut off and come back on. So Skype doesn't, and we do get some other Skype callers as well. So if you like to get in, just put the one on your number dial. We'll get you in. I know a lot of folks they they, they call in. They just you know listening, but we we certainly appreciate it. And a very lively show, and I do appreciate that. But also, of course, you know, share the link, whether you you, you do the link or you on uh, one of your you know podcasts. Uh, you know, apps and things of that nature, you know, to, to, to share the program. Uh, I'm trying to slowly get the episodes here on, uh, like, Spotify, but it's, it's you know, it's a lot of work. And I'm actually uh, working on two things besides the show. I'm, I'm with two new organizations. Um, one is with, um, I won't say the city, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a Republican organization. Because at this point, even though I'm real supportive of third parties, I mean, unless you're doing something with one of the two major parties, you're not going to get a lot done right now. So that, and then I'm, I'm really, I'm working a lot lately with um, a couple organizations here locally fighting against the, you know, the vaccine mandate. So I'm, there's a, a bill here locally in my state, uh, House Bill 248, uh, which is trying to go to the legislature, legislature to, you know, ban you know, vaccine mandates, vaccine passports, uh, things of that nature, so that you know, the, the, the governments and businesses can't, you know, force people, impose on people, as you were, uh, to get back, you know, get vaccinated. So, you know, I've been really busy working on with, with all of those. So every day it's, it's, it's something going on at different events. And, you know, I mean, I was at an event Sunday that, um, you know, we, we talked about. But anyway... So we only got about seven minutes to the top of the hour. So uh, what we'll do is we'll, you know, we did bring you back in, Mark, and then uh, if you have to, yep, okay. So uh, he had to uh, leave from Skype, and then he'll come back shortly. So in that instance, I mean, uh, we'll bring you back in, Joseph. I mean, if you want to wait till he comes back on for your comments, or if you just want to have a a few more comments here uh, before he uh, Skypes back in so we don't lose, because we can get to that. But I think uh, all important, you know, the solution aspect of why we're having them on the show. Uh, but look, go ahead, uh, Joseph, and then we'll uh, bring it back in for the solution part uh, when it gets caught back in. But uh, go ahead, Joseph. Sure, sure. So I, I'll, I'll tell you what I think, and then I could always reiterate to Mark. Robert, let me ask you a question. In all my years of being on this show, you know what type of callers you, you, you get and what what you're not going to get. And sometimes you have callers that like to call in and stir the pot because they have nothing better else to do. Have you ever known me to do that in any way, shape, or form? Just a simple yes or no. No, I wouldn't say that. Okay. Number two, out of all the years I've been on this show, and there's been many guests that I have partaken on this show, have I ever had a guest ever accuse me of undermining them or having a negative tone to me in any way, shape, or form, yes or no, until today? Well, now that one, now that question, I don't know. We, you've been on the phone for a lot, lot of times. We've had a lot of guests. So, I mean, I can't remember all those. Um, I'm just being honest. That, that, one I, that one I don't know if anyone's ever accused you that or not. That, that, I, can't act, that I can't actually say because we've, we've had so many people on, and you have been on, which is, of course, appreciated on the so many years. Um, so that question, I, I really wish I had a definitive answer for you. Robert, if that were the case, I don't think you'd like me on your show. And if I were the host, 
I wouldn't want someone who would be on the show just to bash guests. So the answer is, and you know me as an honest, trustworthy person, I've never had a guest say that. And, you know, it was a little bit deviant that you interjected, but it was kind of deviant of how he tried to turn that interjection as if you were implying that I was doing something wrong and that you were coming in to do something right. And that's not the case. The case was I did give him credit on the show. I did say I respect your opinion. I did say you're entitled to believe what you believe in and take that to the court of public opinion. I've said a lot of positive things in saying that's your right, that's your prerogative. I respect that. However, and I think you will agree with me on Robert, if I'm talking and the mic was open to me, now I could understand if I started saying inflammatory or dropping profanity, yes, but you don't interrupt the person. He was talking about your eloquence. Let's talk about etiquette. A big pet peeve of mine is don't interrupt me. Let me finish. Unless I'm being an idiot and I'm just being a moron, or you clearly see that my only intention is to stir the pot, which you know that's not the case, Robert, and people on um, the panelists on the show can judge that for themselves, then you let the person finish. It's called etiquette. What he decided to do was talk over me. Not only did he talk over me, he raised his tonality. I didn't raise my tonality. So the question I beg to ask is, is that the conduct of anyone on this show? Is that the professional and is that the, uh, the eloquence of people on this show to interrupt somebody for no worthy reason? If you have a valid reason, then interject. That's fine. I'll be the first to say that's fine. But when you don't let someone finish what they have to say, it's not respectful. And at the end of the day, if you've been doing this for a long time, an important quality is composure. And he didn't have that composure because he started getting angry. His tonality started going high. My tonality wasn't going high. I simply said, sir, let me finish. It's very disrespectful, whether he be a guest or whether he be a panelist. And, Robert, you know I've been down this road many times with other guests on this show, not with other guests, I mean other panelists, and I've even said, and you've even come to my defense and saying, hey, let the person finish. Let everyone finish first. Don't cut people off unless you have a valid reason. So I'm sorry, but with all due respect, he was cutting me off. And it just shows you're making the show about you and you're playing you're not. Mark, I, I, I actually said positive things so, towards you. Can you can, I actually wait, said wait I respected you your opinion. I, I, missed that, I missed that last, missed that last comment uh, where you said, um, so you said, are you talking about me or are you talking about Mark? Talking you said about Mark. Not, not, Robert, a, not, at all. not at all you, Robert. Never. Robert, you're, you're, ne- you're, you're somebody who has composure and you're like me. You know how to keep it. And you're somebody who is going to give someone the floor, and you're someone who doesn't believe in interrupting unless they're trying to be an idiot. And it's obvious they're just calling to stir the pot 
And it's obvious they're just calling to have a back and forth, which you know that wasn't the case because at the end of the day, if I was trying to undermine him, would I have said anything positive about him? Rhetorical question, absolutely not. If someone is trying to undermine you, they're not going to say anything positive or acknowledge anything positive about you. Everything is going to be negative. And one of the things I said in the middle of the show was, hey, I respect your opinion. I respect that you believe what you believe in, and you have every right to believe that, and you have every right to take that to the court of the public opinion and sell that, but I'm not buying it. Now, if that was so offensive and if that was undermining him, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, By most standards, in my opinion, not at all. Not at all. Mm -hmm. Well, we do have our – and we do have our guest back, and we are at the top of an hour. And I do want to um, uh, open up the mic uh, there, Mark. At least I think I'm opening up the right one. So if uh, you say hello, and then I'll hear whether it's yours or, or others. Uh, hello. We, do, uh, we have other. Okay, there we go. Cause we do have other Skype callers. Um, it is the top of the hour, and you know we do guys. The, 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 the last hour seems to go the quickest. So I, I really want to jump into the solutions because that, that's my wheelhouse. I'm a, okay, you know, let's let, let's get the solutions. And so that's my wheelhouse. So let's let's go there. Thank you. This has really been an experience. And we have allowed our situation to prove the point of why I'm here in the first place. And that an imposition creates opposition. And we're getting angrier and angrier with each other. And people are using different tactics. They will use mocking laughter. They will use passive aggression. They will use fake praise and say they're praising you while they're actually undermining what you're doing. These are all tactics of fighting. These are not tactics of healthy conversation. Going on for 10 minutes and saying you don't want to be cut off when you only should maybe take 30 seconds, that's another example of a tactic of fighting rather than having discussion. And it goes back to Robert's awesome, awesome comment about the fact that we now hate each other. It's not awesome that we hate each other, but it's awesome that his observation is so exactly accurate and that we're hating each other and we're so ready to attack and fight. And the truth is, no matter how, well, how you want to misdefine how you re- understand how I responded, imposition creates opposition. And what we saw was I opposed the imposition, and we proved the point I've made here from the very beginning, and that imposition creates opposition. So now we understand the pain. We can recognize the pain and identify the problem. Is there a solution Many of us might be familiar with something called the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The golden rule is a beautiful principle under which any of us can live. Unfortunately, in this arrogant era of imposer versus imposer politics, we have found a way to impose on others while thinking we can do so under the golden rule. Someone will say, well, if I was ever unrighteous, I want someone to force me to be righteous. And with that ridiculous argument, someone will rationalize a self-justification to impose on others while pretending they can do so under the golden rule. I know how absolutely ridiculous that argument is because I used to say that myself. So I've learned. 
we have to clarify the golden rule. To clarify it, we need to use what is known as a double negative. A double negative is when you put two negatives together, not not. They cancel each other out, and it still becomes a positive. So to clarify the golden rule, we have to use what I call the reverse double negative golden rule. It goes like this. Do not unto others as you would have them not do unto you. Again, do not unto others as you would have them not do unto you. Instantly, the reverse double negative golden rule clarifies the golden rule. You would never want to impose on others or think you could impose on others while living under the reverse double negative golden rule. Beautiful. Now we have a standard under which we can live. But as we recognize the pain and identify the problem, what specific action can we actually take? The solution comes down to one word. Disimposerize. Now we know imposerism is the willingness to impose on others. Put D-I-S, dis, in front of it. To disimposerize is to remove our imposerism. To cast off our willingness to impose on others. To disimposerize is to cut the gas. When we cut the gas, we no longer ignite the fight. When we no longer ignite the fight, we no longer blame the flame. When we no longer blame the flame, we no longer have explosion of emotion. It all begins and ends with us. To disimposerize basically is to say, I will not impose on you. Now let's stop and think about that for a moment. If I look you in the eye, and with all conviction of meaning, I say to you, I will not impose on you. How do you feel? If you're like most people, most likely you feel safe, included, no longer defensive. Most likely you feel that I no longer pose an existential threat against you. And you could be willing to work together with me to solve our real problems together in real unity. Most likely, you feel free. That's right, free. Free! When I say to you, I will not impose on you, I free you. When we say, I will not impose on you, we free others. When we say that, when we disimposerize ourselves, we free others. And not only that, we achieve three key achievements. One, when we disimposerize ourselves, we disempower the politicians. They can bring no spark where we have no gas. When a politician comes to you and asks you to support something, now you know imposition creates opposition. Now you know to ask the three test questions. Who is the imposer? What is the imposition? And who is the opposer? Now you know to disimposerize. If you determine that what they propose to impose on others, you turn back to the politician and you politely say, no, I will not support that because I will not impose on others. Then what does the politician have? Nothing. If the politician wants your support, they've got to come back to you with something else that does not impose on others. 
So absolutely, when we disimposerize ourselves, we disempower the politicians. And when the people lead, the leaders will follow. Two, when we disimposerize ourselves, that teaches us empathy for opposers. Now we know opposers are not the bad guy. Opposers are not the bad girl. And they certainly don't deserve the three Ds. Now we know opposers are as normal as you and me. We've already proven it. So truly, when we disimposerize ourselves, we have empathy for opposers. Three, when we disimposerize ourselves, we build a new consensus of kindness. The current consensus of kindness already declares that it is not acceptable to be using violence, sexism, or racism against others. Let's add to that list, imposing. Let the new consensus of kindness declare that it is also not acceptable to be imposing on others. Hmm. When we disimposerize ourselves, we build this new consensus of kindness. And there it is. We achieve these three key achievements. We disempower the politicians, we have empathy for opposers, and we build a new consensus of kindness. All because when we disimposerize ourselves, we free others. And that happens because disimposerizing is a deeper level of kindness. And that deeper level of kindness is an even deeper level of love. Love. That's really what we're doing when we say to others, I will not impose on you. It all begins and ends with us. The pain is not them, it's us. The problem is not them, it's us. But that also means the solution is not them, the solution is us. No matter what side, what party, what religion you prefer, now you know this is not a message for them. Now you know this is a message for us, for each of us, for all of us. When you raised your hand earlier, you already proved to yourself that imposition creates opposition, that the opposition does not even exist until the imposition creates it, and that opposers are as normal as you are. Congratulations! You're a normal human being! And so is everyone else. You've already proven it. If you want to do the things you love to do and have the things you love to have, you've got to let others do the things they love to do and have the things they love to have. You've already proven it. It just makes sense for us all to say, I will not impose on you. You will not impose on me. So because you've already proven it, I encourage you, go out into the world disimposerize, and teach others. Teach others the three primary principles that we learned here today of the pain, the problem, and the solution. Namely, teach others imposition creates opposition. Teach others to ask the three test questions. Who is the imposer? What is the imposition? And who is the opposer? Teach others to disimposerize. Oh, for the day when we all say, I will not impose on you. You will not impose on me. And no one, we use government, corporations, or media to impose on anyone else. I will not impose on you. 
when we disimposerize ourselves, we will end our angering, divisive tribalism. When we disimposerize ourselves, we will end imposer versus imposer politics. When we disimposerize ourselves, we will change the world. When we disimposerize ourselves, we will build that new consensus of kindness. When we disimposerize ourselves, we love others. Now you know, disimposerizing is kindness, is love. See, I'm going to end this speech with a full letter word after all. When we disimposerize, we L-O-V-E, love. No, what, no, no. After, after the solutions, here's here's my thought. And we got uh, John in the line, uh, you know, and he's got some questions as well. Uh, I, I want to see. It. Yeah, I'm hearing myself again. Um, so it's, it's, it's uh, yeah. I guess it's going back through your speakers. Um, so I mean, uh, two things, and then we're going to bring in John because he's also you know going to be talking asking about you know pr- you know practical applications of this and. So how do you propose, Mark, that, you know, give it, or maybe give an example of a practical application of this, that's one thing. How can, how can this be used in a, in a practical, practical way, a practical approach or application? And then two, what do you do to the people who, do, who don't abide by it? I mean, I mean whether we, let's say I don't want to try to oppose any of my, you know, my whatever, you know, on someone, but they still want to oppose whatever they want to for me. Now, I'm of the mind, like, look, if you don't want a gun, don't own a gun. If you want to own a gun, own a gun. If you want to get the vaccine, get the vaccine. If you don't want to get the vaccine, don't. If, you know, with you advocating, you know, politically, hey, if you want to have multiple wives, have multiple wives. If you don't, don't, you know, but there's not always, there's, there's, there's always going to be I can't, I can't say always, but I mean there are going to be people who are going to want to impose whatever on someone else. How do we take this into a practical application with, with that being the case? It first has to start with us. So before we can start going forward, we have to work on ourselves. It reminds me of the book by Stephen Covey, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And the first three habits are about working on ourselves and the next three are with others. And that I think that we first have to recognize the pain and the problem and to see our own imposerism, to question ourselves and question our own imposerism, to put ourselves in a personal inventory, a check, to analyze and investigate what are we doing what what why am i willing to impose this on other people you know the i've come as a christian and as a christian i know the two great commandments are to love god as self and to love neighbor as self and that i have also noticed that there is not one place in the bible that it ever called for Christians using the false god of government to enforce or impose their doctrines on others. 
and that actually that's why I see government as idolatry for uh, for Christians who turn to that to impose their doctrines, and that by the imposition of doctrines and using government to impose those doctrines, that's actually what taught others to then come back in vengeance and use it to impose back onto them, and so that I believe that. We have to learn to identify ourselves first, to recognize where we are at fault. That, the, you know, it's the analogy, you know, when you're pointing a finger, three are pointing back at you type of thing. And that our humanity is we're so inclined to impose on others. And that I think that we need to get that message out, that we need to do it ourselves. We need to model it. And then as we model it, encourage others. And Start having conversations with people with whom we don't disagree, we don't agree, and to, to start letting people know that this is something that we're trying, that we're working on. And when I say trying, I don't mean like it's a new attempt. What I mean is, is that we're being humble in recognizing that we're probably going to fail, especially in the beginning, uh, you know, that we're going to try to have this idea of disimposing our eyes ourselves, and we're going to stumble once in a while. We're going to find ourselves still willing to impose on others. And so that's, that's going to be the challenge. Are you hearing me? Yeah, I, I hear you. Mm-hmm. Oh. Sorry, I was waiting to give uh, John the floor since uh, I yeah, I'm getting ready. Yeah, I'm getting ready to do, but uh, yeah. but here's the unfortunate thing. John had a question uh, for our guest, and his call dropped, and he's not going to be able to call. He's not going to be able to call back in. That's uh, a That's happened to me. Well, John, uh, I'm going to go ahead and bring you back. Uh, I'm going to bring you back in. That's that's why I'm not a big fan of of, of calling in through through Skype. Uh, he, yeah, he's saying he's calling back in, but he's not going to be able to. Uh, but, uh, John, go, I mean, go ahead. I mean, you can pose uh, the question. I think I've got an idea what the, it's going to be. But, unfortunately, uh, um, Mark won't be able to respond. That, that, that's true. Wow, this is terrible. When he was saying hello, um, when he said, hello, does anybody hear me? I said, I hear you. And then uh, it, it, it dropped. So that um, – I wish I knew if there was a way in which I could uh... – now, one thing I could try to do is I'm, go- I'm going to try um, to see if I could do a, a three-way call and get him back and get him into the show. Now, now what, well, let me ask you something, show. Rob. Don't you on your dashboard have a means to call him directly back yourself and get him back on the show that way? Only only through my phone, not through the Blog Talk platform. I thought the Blog Talk dashboard gives all hosts the opportunity to call the people that they were going to have on their show directly, and I've heard several not hosts after, do that. Not after a certain time. Oh, they have to call before a certain time. Okay. It has, it has to be before the top of the last hour, yes. Let's see. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's got to be to the um, – so, so what I can try to do 
is do a a three way call. Well, we've got we've done this uh, on the show before. It's been a long time, but I can try that. Now the thing is, is what could happen is if I get disconnected, it's going to get disconnect everybody. So if it drops, that means that my attempt to do this. Uh, you know, uh, could happen. Um, if it drops, it just means, hey, everybody, we'll see you next week. Come back next Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely uh, that's definitely what it'd be. Is it'd be, uh, uh, be be there next week, and perhaps you know, just for a, a short session, he'll come on to answer your question. But let's go ahead and do this uh, experiment. Oh, um, uh, he said he's got. Um, he needs to call Skype. Um, Let's see. Before you do that, I want to say, John, welcome back. It's nice to hear you, buddy. It's nice to hear you. Oh, I still listen quite often. I just don't chime in as often. It's nice to hear you chime in, buddy. It's nice to hear you. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Always a pleasure. How's the weather in New York? Still uh, still uh, hot? I imagine. You're talking to me? Talking to me? How's that? De Niro say that? I don't know if, I don't know if John is in New York. We, well, our, our Joe, Joe is in New York. Yeah, yeah. John, John, John Doe doesn't disclose on these kind of shows where he's from. He, I'm in the lower 48. That's the best I'll give you. <laughs> I like that. I like that at least. He's, he's, in, the continental, he's in the continental 48. That's all he'll say. I, yeah, I, I could have alluded. I could have alluded to the, uh, to that. Well, that definitely rules out Hawaii and Alaska. So hey, I got something. So it's better than nothing. I'll take what I can get. So no worries. <laughs> no, I was uh, it ain't, it to me it ain't any big deal. It's all a matter about the policy positions. I I just appreciate the different you know perspectives that people bring to everything that we're trying to discuss. Because just like you guys have been saying. We have to figure out a way to better communicate with each other to find the unity in moving forward as the United States of America because otherwise we're going to continue to rip each other apart. And it just seems to be getting worse in my opinion. However, at the same time, it seems worse in our, in, you know, our day and time if we look back through history and see what our you know ancestors and freedom fighters throughout different wars went through. I mean, we got it. We still are blessed big time. Now, those that are our fellow men and women that are having to live in the streets or out of tents and, you know, under bridges or homeless shelters and stuff, you know, they might have it a lot worse than the rest of us. But it's nothing like we're actually shooting at each other and stuff yet. So, I mean, we just want, we're trying to avoid to get to that point. But at the same time, a lot of these people, get it in their head, and then this is just my opinion. These people in positions of power, it don't matter if it's in the government or in the private enterprise, you know, corporate world or whatever, they feel empowered 
and they're going to continue doing what they can do until something seriously tragic happens to make them wake up and stop. But otherwise, they're just like a, your little kid that continues to push daddy or mommy to see how far they can go with getting away with whatever they're trying to get away with and until you stomp your foot and spank their backside or, or scold them some way and put them out, you know, put them time out in private or whatever take away their privileges and whatnot and tell them you're grounded. you got to stay in your bedroom. When you come home, you got to get your work done and blah, blah, blah. They're going to continue to push and get away with what is as much as they can get away with. And sadly to say, we have grown-ups that become, you know, business leaders, whether it be CEOs or um, politicians or judges or you know what. They are going to psychologically push that envelope as much as possible. So humanity has not changed ever, in my opinion. But hopefully we can get Mark back on because I did want to prompt him for some feedback. And I struggle with this. I have conversations with people, and I'm not the greatest communicator in the world. But it's like you're opposing their opposition, but then it gets flipped. Or their imposition, you know, you're you're whatever it is, you're opposing their imposition, and mm-hmm. to me, there's a big difference if they're using government as that weapon to do the imposition, or if it's in the private sector. I mean, you know, if if you run a business or I run a business, I particularly don't wear a mask. I think it's cool to wear a mask, though. It's great looking like a bank robber, you know. I'd rather wear a guy well, hey, I'd rather wear a box mask. Well, I tried. Hold on. I I've merged the calls, but I'm getting a lot of feedback. So we got, we have Mark on the phone, but I'm getting a loop. I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let me get rid of that. If Mark can listen just straight off of the phone, then he it might get rid of that feedback. Unless you got some speakers on in your studio. No, I don't. Mark, are you there? Yes. Oh, good. Well, looks, looks like we got got you back uh, doing this uh, little uh, workaround. So John had a question for you. So go ahead, John. And uh, we are unfortunately running out of time uh, on this episode. Uh, and then we'll uh, go from there. Go ahead, John. Yeah, Mark, I just want to say thank you. I appreciate what you're bringing to the table. I, I, from a philosophical, from what I can best understand, I probably agree with you pretty much almost 100%. I've just not been eloquent enough of a speaker to be able to put it in words in the same way you do, so I express it differently. And different people parse the information differently, so therefore sometimes I feel like what I'm saying, it means so much, but it falls on deaf ears. And so... They continue to impose, and then I have to oppose, but then they'll flip the script and try to make me look like I'm the imposer, when the, and they're going to be the uh, you know opposition. So I was wanting to find out in a, if you had some ideas of, from a general practical rubber meets the road aspect. For I'm just going to use one simple thing as an as a, um, example because – I'm going to try to keep it simple. I don't want too many rabbit trails and it run off in different directions. It, it just foggies the water, that, in my opinion. But, for example, if I oppose our tax dollars being used for Planned Parenthood abortions, okay, at that point in time, now they're opposing my imposition, but I'm actually 
opposing their imposition because they feel it's okay to use the government to impose their agenda and make me pay for it. But they don't see that as imposition to me. They only see me as imposing on them that they don't have the right to do this abortion. I'm like, wait, I can't stop you from what you do with your private doctor. That's, you know, something I don't have access to know all your things that's going on and stuff. So if you do that in privacy or in secret, nobody else is going to know about it. But when you try to use the government to pass these rules and laws and processes, regulations, blah, 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 statutes, that allows you to use our governing power and taxing dollars to fund your crooked stuff, whether it be, you know, getting a sexual change through our military or, like I said, funding abortion in Planned Parenthood. Now, Here's the tricky question I hope you're following me on. At first, I'm a hater because I'm imposing them trying to use my tax dollars to get an abortion. But they're like, oh, you know, I'm hating on them, but I'm trying to save the baby, okay? But as soon as the baby is born, and if I don't provide food stamps and and all kinds of welfare for the rest of their life, now I'm a baby hater after they're born. So now they flip the script on me. Now I'm a baby hater after they're born, and I make it the responsibility of the parents to raise their kid. But I'm the hater because I don't I don't think it's right for us to be able to, or to fund all of these safety net programs at the level that we fund them at. Do you see what I'm saying? I do. Where do you want me to? You, what is it? You well, I'm just line, curious if you had a practical explanation or help me to find a practical way of managing that kind of conversation because I still want to achieve what you're trying to do in helping us understand where we're imposing on others and we have to be able to be respectful of that and love them and not impose on them. But at the same time, we want to try to get the others that are imposing on us to respect and understand what you're trying to communicate so they'll stop imposing on us. And, and I just want to—I well, was I, hoping I, you would help me be a better communicator to help do that. Well, I would say that I would tend to guess that we probably uh, share the same perspective uh, regarding prenatal infanticide. You'll notice that's what I call it. I call it prenatal infanticide um, because I think that you know you don't have a right to kill the baby after it's born, never mind before as well as before the born. Um, I think that the. When we first take that first inventory of ourselves and, and, what, and, and see where our imposerism is, we need to first look at ourselves and not look at others and, that, and identify what our own imposerism is and what we're willing you know, to realize what we're imposing on others and what we can do to stop imposing that. Now, there are real impo- impositions and uh, false oppositions and uh, false impositions, and that's why I said opposers of opposers are not opposers. They are imposers, and imposers pretending to be opposers are imposters. So that's why that was important to express that. In terms of right. giving you a practical, right. a practical perspective for yourself and application, because I get it, and that's actually what I think each of us struggles with and wants to do, is that it first – first begins with us in our own introspection and starting to really look at what we're willing and what we're doing to impose on others. Now, I, I do agree that the challenge of prenatal infanticide as an issue is one in which both sides perceive they are imposing on the other. That's just the issue of abortion and the issue of doing it in the first place. The secondary issue, and I say I see it as secondary, is the issue of forcing 
those who do not support, who believe that it's an imposition on the murder of the baby, that to, to force you know gentlemen like yourself to have to pay for the tax dollars for committing that prenatal infanticide, I agree that that is an imposition on that taxpayer, on you, uh, and and I agree with that. I think that we have to we have to. I don't want to say pick your battles because I'm not not trying to minimize the fact that the issue of prenatal infanticide is a serious battle. But I think that we have to come to the table recognizing the humanity of both sides in that one side sees it as an imposition on the baby being murdered and the other side sees it as an imposition on their body to be free. And that either way, the other side is seeing themselves as the opposers of an imposition. And when we can acknowledge that and recognize that, then we can come to the table and solve our real problems. So I, I recognize, and that's why I said, there are real problems we have to address. And I think that one of those rare ones is indeed the issue of prenatal infanticide because both sides see themselves as opposers to imposition and vice versa. And I think that for us as a practical matter is that we have to come to acknowledge the humanity of even those with whom we disagree. And I think that we need to intellectually acknowledge in our mind, understanding while they haven't come to the paradigm that the baby's being killed, that they're, they are, why they're seeing it as an imposition on their freedom of their body. And so that I think that when we can do that, that allows us to be able to come to a, de a debate more honestly and more openly. That doesn't mean it's going to be solved today or tomorrow, but it, it allows us to at least recognize and analyze, analyze the humanity. I think the same, there are other issues like territorial disputes, you know, uh, Israel and the Palestines, Palestinians. I mean, uh, those types of things, if, if both sides first start from having disimposerized, then we can come together to solve the real problems together that aren't easily solved, such as prenatal infanticide, such as the territorial disputes between Israel and the Palestinians, and, and things like that. I'm not saying that this is the panacea for absolutely everything, but if we come to the debates of these issues having disimposerized, and both sides come to it having disimposerized, then we can really find ways in unity to find solutions to work together to solve these real problems. And that, that's really what I would encourage you to first do is just start with a self-inventory of your own acknowledgement of what you're willing to impose and to recognize that, you know, what am I doing that's willing to impose on others that causes others to oppose that? You know, first, let's all each individually do that, and as we become aware of that, then we become less inclined to be willing to impose on others. And that doesn't mean, for example, that stops or prevents our perspective that the baby's being killed. That doesn't change that perspective, and it doesn't deny that. You know, and certainly when you're coming from that perspective, you believe that the baby's being murdered. That's why I believe that if both sides could come to a disimposerized attitude, we could come to the table and stop wasting our resources fighting each other, fighting each other over it, and actually instead, let's utilize our resources to do the research of technology and, and actual biomedical thought, uh, care or, or whatever it would be called medically to be able to actually allow women to have baby no more that doesn't kill the baby that we find that solution. I think that we can find a solution together and therefore the baby would no longer have to be murdered. We could actually find a solution. The baby can live. Their rights are protected. And the, the, the woman who believes her body is, is uh, my body, my choice, she also gets her, and everybody has a win-win. We can find a way to have a win-win when we all come to a place of disimposerizing ourselves. Does that help? 
Uh, well, you're you're communicating it from your understanding, and I still don't totally grasp the fullness of what you're understanding. But like I said, if I do understand what I think I'm hearing you say, I agree with you 100%. I was more searching for a more practical understanding of how to communicate with others to deal with that. Because when you talk about opposers and, and opposition and stuff, well, you said like yourself, the other side, thinks that, you know, I'm imposing on them at the same time I'm thinking they're imposing on me. And you mentioned, too, about them, you know, feeling that they want their body to be free to do whatever they want to do, and I'm trying to stop them from murdering their baby, but I need to understand that they want their body to be free. And I'm like going, uh, yeah, I, I get that already. They uh, they don't necessarily always want to kill the baby. They just don't want to have to have the pregnancy. They don't want to get fat and have to go to the doctor and have the baby removed, you know, whether it be living or dead. They just don't want that whole process at all, so they'd rather have the abortion during, you know, the first six weeks or eight, 12 months or whatever, you know, not in 12, skip that. But anyway, you know what I'm trying to say, I think. And so they're, I do. I they're get like, that. hey, I get that. If, I, if I don't want my body to have to go through this, then I need to be able to have some, you know, R42 or whatever it is to zap this problem while it's still in me so that way it doesn't cause me to have to go into the hospital and pop this doggone watermelon out of a hole that shouldn't be bigger than, you know, a grape coming out of it or having a C-section. Is that am I? I'm not the greatest communicator, so please forgive me. No, no, you're you're fine. You're you're absolutely fine. I think that, and I have experienced when I've talked to people that are uh, very highly energized on the other side of the prenatal infanticide issue. When I have communicated my awareness that I understand why they perceive pro-life position as being an imposition on their choice to be with their bodies and that I communicate how I would like us to work together for a win-win solution so that you can have baby no more. I have been surprised that I've actually had people then be willing to talk with me and have a discussion with me instead of the level of vitriolic hate that Robert was describing earlier. That, that Because now what I've done is I've actually, uh, again, back to Steve Covey's book, I, I don't want to only make only his book, but he made a good point that people first want to be understood and that when you understand and express to them why they believe that pro-life is imposition to the prenatal infanticide perspective that and that what you realize is that they want baby no more, then if they understand you, I'm willing to actually try to find a solution so that both sides can win and both sides, you know, the woman can have baby no more and we can uh, no longer have the babies being killed. That we find that we work toward a medical solution that allows us to somehow transfer or, or transplant a, a baby to surrogacy somehow so that the woman can have baby no more and that baby does no longer die either that we find out that solution, we can have a discussion. I'm finding, I am finding, I'm finding the ability to have that conversation with people who otherwise respond in anger and hate because the positions that we've mounted in our pro-life versus prenatal infanticide debates and arguments and fights that everybody's just fighting, I do find it allows us to have a more rational conversation. And I, will, I also find most 
of the other side are willing to agree with me. If we could solve the transplant baby no more solution, then they wouldn't necessarily have to kill it. And they would agree with us and we could work together. So I find that that, 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 that helps me go forward because I'm also one who believes uh, that, it's pro, that it is prenatal infanticide. And so I, I want to protect the life of the baby. I just have to acknowledge I understand the rationale behind why the other side sees the way they do, why they see me as an imposer. And then suddenly, by them seeing I'm a disimposer and that I'm generally disimposing, they see that I'm actually not trying to impose on them. I'm actually trying to save the baby in a way that doesn't have to stop them from having their will, which is to have baby no more. So they, they can yeah, see you're I communicating to them. Yeah, you're communicating to them their perspective to let them know you understand where they're coming from, from their angle. Thank you. I appreciate it. Back yes. to you, Rob. Well, yes, certainly. Um, that that's. But in the meantime, until they find that solution, you know what I'm saying? Until they find that, you know, solution of having an artificial womb is what I think we're referring to, is that it sounds like that, hey, look, you do your thing, I do my thing. If, I mean, if, if you're going to go out and have an abortion, well, you're going to go out and have an abortion. I'm not going to try to keep you from doing that, but that doesn't mean, you know, but, I, but that doesn't mean I have to pay for it. You know, so, you know, in that way, you know, they're unfortunately doing what they want to do, and you're doing what you want to do, and that's by, you know, not participating in, in their action. So with, uh, I'm thinking that would be an example of, what the solution would be for for that issue i mean what what's your thoughts what's your thoughts on that uh, mark it, it's it's really it's a painful concept it really the, the issue is, is that you know, um whether i like it or not prenatal infanticide is taking place it is and i'm not saying i'm happy about it i'm not uh, you know, it, it's 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 distressing me, but at the same time, I have to live my life as well, and I have to not let it agitate me to the point that I then move into vengeful imposerism, and that I start trying to find new ways to impose back. You know, that I, I have to put myself in a check that I recognize that, and it, and it's certainly heartbreaking that from the, this moment now till the moment we find the win-win solution that allows baby no more without killing that babies will be killed in the meantime. That's heartbreaking to me. It is. And I, and I know that I don't have the power to change that otherwise. I do know that if between this time and the moment of that win-win, where however many years or decades that is, I believe will be much shorter than if we just perpetuate the never-ending solution of fighting, 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 hating, 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 and always imposing, imposing, imposing back and forth. That's never going to bring us to a win-win. So I'm believing that we can get to that destination more quickly when we can understand in a win-win mindset and understanding why they perceive it as, as an imposition and, and, they, and allow them to see that I'm not trying to impose. I'm generally trying to save the baby. When they see that I'm not trying to stop the woman, I'm trying to help them have baby no more without baby kill, then they understand I'm not trying to impose. And now suddenly they can feel that safe, that, that no longer being imposed upon. I no longer pose an existential threat upon them. They could will, be willing to work together with me. I understand them. And when people feel understood, they're more willing to work in a win-win together. So I'm hoping that as heartbreaking as it is from this moment in time until that time in the future when we achieve that win-win, 
we're still going to have babies killed. I'm hoping that we're, we're shrinking, shrinking that window of from now to that moment of win-win so that less and less babies will be killed rather than perpetuate forever and babies just keep getting killed for ad infinitum. That, that's what I'm trying to do, or at least that's how I handle it emotionally for myself. And I certainly continue to recognize that the separate issue, and you have to learn to separate issues, the separate issue of using taxpayer dollars to fund that, that then becomes the imposition against the taxpayer. And that's a second issue. And I think that that's where, as a practical matter, it becomes important to learn how to isolate the different parts of the argument, the parts of the problem. Prenatal infanticide is separate from the taxation uh, of support for free Planned Parenthood and all that. You know, so I, I think learn to identify that and ask the three test questions in both issues the prenatal infanticide issue, and then also in the taxation issue. And that allows us as individuals, when we are asking ourselves these trust questions, we can understand it more clearly, I believe. Robert. Well, and, and does that answer the, uh, the, the question there, uh, John? Yeah, for the most part. It's just, you know, each one of us parse information differently than the others. And, I say things the way I say it because that's the way it makes sense to me, and I understand the definitions of the words I use the way I understand them, and Mark's doing the same thing, trying to help us understand that from the perspective he is. And some things, because of the words he used, just may not click the same way as it does for him, but I, I think I understand. But you never really know till the rubber meets the road when you try to practically apply it, and then you realize, well, but, you know, my, part of my issue is I'm just not the greatest communicator in the world, and I'm always having to work on being a better communicator. But, yes, I appreciate everything. Thank you very much, Mark, and thank you, Robert. Back to you. Well, and uh, seeing uh, as we, you know, have, still have folks on the line or seeing what time it is, seeing, knowing how much time I've got left before I have to close things out for tonight, uh, what I'd like to do at this point is we would need to uh, do our closing comments for this evening. Uh, it was definitely a spirited uh, discussion tonight, I will have to say. <laughs> uh, but certainly, you know, you enjoy it. Some of it, I was like, ah. But uh, especially when I, I felt the need to, to, to impose myself, guys. Uh, on on the conversation, but let's go ahead. We're going to have to go to our closing comments. Each person got about two minutes uh, for their their comments, you know, on uh, the conversation uh, tonight or the topic, I should say, tonight. And we'll uh, the way we'll do it is we will uh, start with you, Joseph, and then Steve, and then John, and then we'll give uh, the, the the closing comments to you, Mark, and then I'll close things out myself. So really appreciate uh, everyone coming on this evening. Looking forward to hearing from folks next week. Um, and, of course, uh, you know, again, you know, certainly appreciate your input. So let's go ahead and go uh, with closing comments. Start with you, Joseph. Go ahead. The pain. Millions of Americans who've lost everything. While the politicians who made them lose everything still want to maintain that this is a public health crisis. The problem, the occupiers in chief in office who stole power that was never meant to be given to them. The solution, Republicans take back the House in 2022 in the Senate, make the occupiers in chief lame ducks, 
And in 2024, we reelect our rightful president, Donald J. Trump. Always a pleasure to be on the show. Look forward to being back on next week. Thank you, Albert. Thank you, Joseph. Appreciate it. And, um, wow, I really hope all that happens. <laughs> I do. Cause, I mean, frankly, uh, I don't know how we can turn some things around with, without that very scenario. Uh, but we'll, we're, we're certainly going to be talking more about those things in the upcoming weeks. That is for certain. Uh, go ahead. Uh, uh, I'm having a brain freeze. Go ahead, Steve. All right, guys. So it's um... – a great show and uh just come up with a plan b you know what country would you want to live in that's not western that's not being pushed a vaccine or an australia type situation you know, but what country would you want to live in um, in my opinion learning a second language could be very valuable in the years in the future so come up with a plan b course plan a you know get your representatives involved. A lot of people are talking about this stuff is unconstitutional. It's not going to stand. They expect the Supreme Court to just shoot it down. And a federal judge actually knocked uh, a healthcare worker mandate in New York State, actually knocked that down. So they're starting to knock it down. But come up with a plan B uh, just in case if everything goes left, uh, you won't have the extreme situation of being a refugee in the country and you don't even know the language but guys great show uh, have a good week you too appreciate it uh, there steve and then john will we uh, bring it to you yeah everybody whenever the politicians pass rules laws processes, and procedures that burden and encumber you therefore abridging your pursuit of happiness they've committed extrinsic fraud and they've destroyed the legal effect of your private property, which is you determining the burdens and encumbrances of you. If they aren't willing to extend to you the same privileges and immunities, Articles 4, Section 2 of the United States Constitution, same privileges and immunities, they're committing extrinsic fraud and they're destroying your public property. They're not being held accountable. So we've got to figure out how to solve that solution. Thank you so very much. See you next week. You have a good week. Uh, sounds good. And then we've got uh, some closing comments for um, from yourself. And then when, uh, people had the, the two minutes they could have used, uh, so that does leave up uh, a few more minutes uh, for you, Mark. So go ahead. Thank you, Robert. I want to thank you for inviting me here to talk about this idea that I've stumbled across, and I'm really just trying to start the conversation. I really want us as individuals to get back to our humanity to get back to our humanness. I don't have all the answers. I've stumbled across something that has really been life transforming for me and I believe can be so for others. And if others are able to latch onto it, I would hope that they would do so. I believe that this is one of the things that we can do to basically take back our humanity and take back our freedom to be with each other, to live among each other. You know, that the idea of this, this rage of hate, as, as Robert so eloquently and excellently stated earlier, that's the problem we're having. You know, the way he described it was perfect, and I, I appreciate that eloquence. And that I really would like to see us bring an end to that. Here we have discussed the three parts of this interview, this, uh, this meeting here tonight on the Bard's 
logic, political talk, was simply to go through the three sections of the pain, the problem, and the solution. And I hope that anyone hearing this can now actually walk away and remember the three parts, to remember the pain. Imposition creates opposition. Write it down if you have to, but imposition creates opposition so that you're always using it and seeing it through a lens. We learn the problem. We can identify the problem by asking the three test questions. Who is the imposer? What is the imposition? And who is the opposer? Write those down and learn to ask those questions as a lens when you see everything happening with politics, no matter what side it happens. And then the third was the solution to disimposerize. To basically say, I will not impose on you. Let's learn to do this. Let's learn these three things. I do not necessarily have faith in either of the sides because I believe the two sides are working together as the two sides of the same one coin of imposerism. And they're just trading power back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. There's an equal distribution of the number of years. They're just trading it back and forth. So I don't actually have faith that anyone taking it back one side or the other is – I think that's just tribalism, that we're being trained like monkeys to act like heuristically, that we just react, that we think our side is the righteous side and we're going to solve that. I don't believe that works for us anymore. We have to rise above this. We have to end imposer versus imposer politics. We have to end our, our tribalism and our divisive tribalism. And that really we need to get to the place where we are operating under that standard of the reverse double negative golden rule. Do not unto others as you would have them not do unto you. This is what I believe is what each of us can do because when we can see this in ourselves – then we can limit ourselves and not allow ourselves to be exploited by the politicians of either side. We can have compassion. We have empathy for opposers. That's one of the most fundamental parts of this message is that we have empathy for opposers. Because what we do now is we fight each other and we have anger toward opposers. We then use the three Ds and demoralize, dehumanize, and demonize them. But we need to have empathy for opposers because we understand their opposition only was created by our imposition. When we understand that, we can really be kinder to other people and we can finally work together. And even though we may have disagreement of ideology, we can find ways to have win-win. That's what I'm pleading for each of us to do is to walk away with what we learned here tonight of the pain the problem and the solution so that we stop imposing on others and we allow others to be free as well. And the more we let others be free, the freer we can allow our, we can, ourselves can be. That's what my message here has been tonight. I'm not the perfect solution, but I believe that this is the beginning of a discussion we all need to take. And I would love to see this go forward. I'd love to see more and more people discussing the idea of imposerism and how we can overcome it from all sides and not in partisanship, not in tribalism, but as human beings, one with each other, so that we can finally solve the real problems we have rather than just making new problems because we're putting out fires, because we're putting gasoline on flames. So uh, that, that's really what this was all about. Well, Let us all disimpose Mark, uh, have you on the uh, program, and we'll just we'll like to have you back to some, get some updates. I'm, I'm hearing myself coming uh, through your <laughs> – there we go. Uh, through there. So, yeah, certainly and then next week, of course, we'll be talking about current events. Uh, still working on getting some, uh, some other guests on to the show, hoping maybe get some audio. Uh, so you can hear some of the things I've been working on or working with, with other, other organizations keeping people from uh, having to be mandated to take this, this vaccine. Uh, because, I mean, I think that, you know, Biden's speech was basically the, the most fascist speech we've had in, in this country. Uh, 
So we're, we're, I'm going to be continuing the, the fight with that. And so, no, again, appreciate everyone coming on. That's why we call this is the Grassroots We the People Show, because this is not my show, it's your show, and it's uh, your contributions to Bard's Logic uh, that makes uh, this uh, a special show. So I certainly uh, appreciate it. And so what I'll do is, of course, as I do every night uh, on the shows, I do end the song by Aubrey Ashburn. She uh, doesn't do music anymore. She does art. And one day I will have a piece of it when <laughs> so, I can afford it. Um, but anyway, take care, folks. Uh, we'll see you next time, and uh, good night, and, and let's take what we learned with us uh, this evening and bring it out there, and, and hopefully people will follow our lead. And, and, again, you know, we could oppose each other, but, you know, let's, let's, let's not hate each other because that's not good for uh, these United States of America. So thanks again, folks. Take care, and good night. Good night, Robert. Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.